Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast, episode 61. Traveling with Eric Spitz from the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast. Eric talked to us today about his aim of running a marathon in every state in the USA. And I think he's actually traveled to 45 states in total just for traveling. And he has done 16 states for marathons. So we talk about what that sort of purpose of travel is like. Because he would pick a marathon in any city or part of a state and make a weekend or three or four days out of it. That's his kind of travel thing at the minute. And he also talks about his previous international travel in Australia and Europe. So it's a really good chat. We also talk about mental health and also his podcast, which is a kind of mix of that and travel and other things as well. So... A real diverse chat today and really looking forward to getting people to uh, listen to that next big thanks last week for listening to my episode with greg again it's the best week i've had just in terms of plays and downloads so thank you for everyone for spreading the word uh, rating and reviewing online uh, and also you know giving it a chance so please keep doing that it's great we're going in the right direction and we've got way more to come and yeah the best way for the podcast if you really want to help out for traction is the word of mouth that is the best way to spread the word thanks for that number three now competition time i was going to do it this weekend but i changed my mind because i want to let you guys know especially if you don't follow me on instagram or twitter for that matter i'm actually going to do it tomorrow tuesday and the idea is i'm going to have i've got three bits of merch two hoodies and jumper different sizes and i'm going to give one away and there's a certain criteria. It's not too much, but you do need to follow me on Instagram for this. So please head to Wigan Travel Podcast on Instagram and watch out tomorrow for the instructions. And I'll be looking to do more in the coming months. This is the first one. We'll see how it goes. And the winner will get one of those. You can choose either one of those three, depending on what it is. They're different sizes, large XL and XXL. Whatever one you want, I will send over to you in the post. And you'll get a nice cheeky bit of Wigan It Travel Podcast merch. That's the main update this week. I'm currently recording this on Main Island between Vancouver and Vancouver Island. It's part of the Gulf Islands and it's so nice here. It's such a small island. You can go drive around it in 10 minutes. And we've got this Airbnb which looks out to the water and opposite us is another island but it's a private island so you can't go there. So I guess someone owns it. Um, but yeah, Main Island's brilliant. Had really nice weather. We've done a lot of walking, a lot of views, um, some breweries, coffees, good food and we're back to Vancouver tomorrow uh, on Easter Monday so it's been a great weekend so thanks for listening great week last week keep spreading the word keep rating reviewing I want to really start helping you guys and thanking you guys by offering merch stickers and all this sort of stuff so keep an eye on my social media for that and yeah I really look forward to you listening to Eric some different topics which I'm not adverse to doing thanks so much and I'll catch you next week cheers
Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast. I'm joined by Eric Spitz from the Juxtaposed Journeys podcast today. And Eric is from Michigan and an avid traveller. He plans to run a marathon in every state in the USA and has so far completed 16 as of a few weeks ago. Eric's going to talk about his love for travel, his podcast, his favourite spots around the world, and maybe delve into a bit of mental health too as his podcast covers that. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me, James. No worries, no worries. You're obviously in Michigan, so can you tell listeners maybe who are not US-based where that is? Yeah, so uh, I am living in Lansing, Michigan, which is the capital, and uh, born and raised there. I technically grew up in Holt, which is just south of Lansing, but I usually just tell people Lansing because that's easier. It's more identifiable. Okay, right. <laughs> yep, but um, I've only actually lived in one other city other than Lansing because I, I went to school in Saginaw, which is about an hour and a half northeast of Lansing. I went to... Mm-hmm to Saginaw Valley State University there and lived in Saginaw for a few years. And those are the only two places I've actually lived, but I've done quite a bit of traveling around the country and outside the country, really. So it's always just funny to kind of think about that. (laughs) It's interesting. Yeah, you mentioned Holt, do you say? Yep. There's a place, is it where I'm from in Norwich in UK, there's a place called Holt, just about about maybe 30 minutes drive, maybe 40 minutes. And it's a really historic place. It's got like all these old, they're pre-Victorian and it's got like a, it's a very posh area. Like very quite okay. quite a lot of money there and it's got a few private schools and stuff like that so yeah Holt would would ring a bell for some of my listeners because they're from Norwich and they'd be like oh Holt <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah probably yeah. should specify my Holt's much different than your Holt oh is it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. really <laughs> your Holt sounds great though <laughs> yeah 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 it's definitely worth a visit uh if people want to check me my photos out from Holt I went there in October last year so you can delve through my Instagram and I put a few pictures up they've got like old stone buildings and little tea calves and stuff like that so <laughs> it's a nice place to visit when I'm oh that's awesome where I'm from and travel how did you get into that what really yeah. sparked maybe your interest in that do you think so I think about this question actually quite a bit and it's so hard to pinpoint when I first mm. got interested in traveling because I I go back and I think about some of my earliest experiences with traveling and some of those memories revolve around <laughs> my parents loading up my brother Joel and I in a 1993 Chevy van 20 and packing yeah. some bologna salad sandwiches which is probably just a Midwest thing. Uh, I'm not okay. sure if you're familiar with those are, but it's, it's basically just bologna, mayo and pickles in a food processor until it makes like a paste and you put it on sandwiches. It sounds disgusting. I realize. Wow. That sounds very American. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, yeah it's the most American thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, I don't know. I have a, it, I'm very nostalgic to it now. I'm actually, I'm actually yeah. vegetarian now, but um, I, I still have a nostalgia nostalgic attachment i guess uh to that memory but <laughs> yeah uh, we would we would go on trips in that that van do a lot of road trips uh, primarily down south and we would stay with family friends and their timeshare we uh, went to like florida north carolina tennessee kind of places like that and i don't want to say I, I i feel like i didn't appreciate it as much at that age like mm-hmm. i always liked doing it but i always had that yearning to kind of like go back home after a little while and i don't know it's hard it's hard to describe like i i enjoyed doing it looking back i have very fond memories of it but i feel like it took me a little while to actually have a full-on appreciation for traveling and to have the love that i have for it now and to to keep doing it continuously <laughs> yeah it's interesting you went south as well i, I would have thought you might have gone north into canada which is on the border right mm-hmm. or even uh, a bit east of the coast but you went straight to south mostly I know it's really, it's so interesting because I, I literally live probably about four hours from Canada and I've only been there twice. I, okay. I don't know why. <laughs> like, and, and both times it was just kind of like a, a quick thing. The first time I ever went there was actually for a concert. 
it's this uh, post-hardcore band, Alexis on Fire, and they're from oh, St. Yeah, Catharines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Back in London. Yep, in the uh, band, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They uh, they played a show in St. Catharines, Ontario, and that was the first time going to Canada, and I just went there and saw the show and drove right back. And it was a great time, and then the only other time was I I went to Niagara Falls, also in of course. Ontario, and uh, yeah, so saw the Canadian side, and just kind of passing through on my way to the the northeast and then i ended up i did a lot of driving that day we ended up staying in i think we stayed in maine that night <laughs> wow that's like way east yeah we, we did a <laughs> lot we we covered a lot of ground that day <laughs> <laughs> also if people were just looking if they're not looking at a map um it borders right on canada it's near Det- it must be near detroit right quite close yeah i'm about a hour from detroit lansing yeah. is yep which is right on the border if you look at the map it's got mm-hmm. like a line right goes right by it in in the water i think it is i think it's like mm-hmm. dead in the water right yeah that's so close like people don't realize that those lakes around there are kind of divided up into borders but yeah there you go that's it's super close to canada and yeah I, I, I do find it interesting you went all the way south and not just an hour east into canada but i guess you might need a passport for that <laughs> <laughs> i know i i mean uh as a kid i guess you just kind of go wherever your yeah. your parents are going and stuff like that and they had these timeshares and like, all right, we're going to Florida, you know, we're going to North Carolina and we just go and hang out in these little like condos and stuff like that. And it it was cool. It wouldn't really do much like hiking or anything, just kind of did the touristy thing, saw the shops and kind of explored Mm -hmm. the area that way. But yeah, it'd be a little while till I actually did some, what I'd consider to be legitimate hiking. And I feel like I didn't do that till much later on i'm kind of a late bloomer in that regard <laughs> yeah i think i'm i am the same as that yeah yeah i've done a few now but it took me a while to get started into it um i i maintain that not it's not for everyone everyone doesn't like hiking but i i see it's quite a mental thing you do have to yeah. be reasonably fit for maybe the tough hikes but a lot of them you just have to just go and do it in one step after mm-hmm. the other and you'll get there right so oh for sure <laughs> and what i'm keen to understand is but past your sort of like maybe childhood travel what really got you thinking about going to every state to run a marathon? Like, is that more behind running or is it actually travel or is it a mix of both, do you think? Yeah, I think it's ultimately a mix of both because, uh, so I, I ran cross country and track all throughout yeah. high school and college. And then it wouldn't be till after college where I'd run my first marathon. And I did that in June of 2015. So I graduated in December of 2014, did my first marathon, June, 2015. Mm-hmm. And it was in Charlevoix, Michigan. And yeah, I, I did that race with the intention of qualifying for the Boston Marathon because that's just a very staple, uh, very destination, you know, marathon that so many runners aspire to do. Yeah. So, and I, I knew, and I was a decent runner in college and I was still in decent shape. And some of my college buddies were, we were all talking to one another and we're like, hey, let's try to do this marathon and then qualify for Boston, make a trip out of it, go to Boston and experience it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm game for this. This sounds like fun. I took about a month and a half and trained for this marathon in Charlevoix and really stuck to a pretty strict training regimen. And then I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, because I'd never run a marathon before. Mm-hmm. And I, that was actually my first time running 26.2 miles in general. The furthest I'd ran before that was 20 miles on a, on a run. So yeah. You know, I, uh, so I kind of went into it with no expectations and I was like, it'd be really cool to qualify, but I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't. I mean, this is my first marathon after all. And I ended up doing really well. I, I placed eighth in the marathon. I ran a 247 marathon, which breaks down to about 622 miles. And yeah, I qualified for Boston Yeah, and I was super excited about it. And yeah, a few, a few of us qualified for Boston. We started kind of getting travel plans around and figuring out what we're going to do and then flew out there. 
And I think it was on the plane, the thought kind of occurred to me of, I really love the idea of just traveling to this destination, soaking in the, the culture and the history mm-hmm. of Boston, running this race and, and, you know, running through the streets of Boston um, and just soaking it all in. And I would just love to do this in other states and, and all the places around the country. And that thought just kind of clicked in my head of just, I think it'd be really cool to do. And I, I had no idea how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But it's just like, it was just kind of a, a thought. And then I just kind of kept obsessing over it. And I was like, yeah, I'd be, I'm going to find some other races. Like it started out to where I would, I would kind of squeeze marathons into different trips that I already had planned. Like I go to the Pacific Northwest every summer to visit my cousin in Vancouver, Washington. And I was like, I wonder if they have any marathons there that weekend. So then I literally found one in the, the Redmond watershed and I did a trail marathon out in Washington. And so it just kind of started that way. And then I, I found different marathons depending on where I was going, but now it's, it's almost flip flopped into, I travel to these different places and then make a trip around the marathons, if that makes sense. So the marathon almost comes first in my head of just like, I really want to go travel to, you know, Colorado or whatever and do this race. And then I'll fly out there or drive or, you know, whatever I want to do and then make a trip around that. And then I'll usually just put the feelers out there to friends and family and be like, Hey, I'm going to be traveling to to this state doing this race. You want to join me for that? If not, like it's cool. I'll go solo. And (laughs) and so so either way I'm going and doing it. It's just, you know, whether or not they want to be part of the experience. (laughs) Yeah. It's like travel with a purpose, right? You have a, because a lot of people maybe go somewhere without really knowing what to do or what to aim for, but yours has got a bit of a purpose where the marathon is a big part of it, but also you've got a chance to see the culture. So it's quite a nice way to travel, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the, the marathon ultimately is what draws me out there, but then, you know, I'll look into the the culture and the history and I'll, you know, still look up like the best eateries and the things to do and try to make a trip of it and, and plan for it that way. And it ultimately depends on where I'm going and how long I'm going to be out there. Cause some marathon trips are longer than others. Mm. Some of them, I can only afford to be there for like a long weekend and it's a lot of driving and I pretty much just do the race and then immediately go in my car and drive back. And it's, wow. it's that's how cool it's yeah. yeah uh, the, the one I'm thinking of with that is, is one I just did in November in Mississippi. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I literally like took Thursday off work and just drove. And then yeah. I, I didn't get to, uh, my buddy's place until probably one in the morning. And then mm. I just worked remote from my, my buddy's place, you know, picked up my packet, ran the race on Saturday, then like loaded up on my car and like drove to Louisville, Kentucky, and then stayed there that night and then just drove the rest of the way home and went back to work. The, like it was a very quick trip. <laughs> <laughs> you must get cramp surely in the car. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that lactic acid just like oh. building up in my legs and it's just, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Man, I, I, I've never run a marathon. We'll come to marathon uh, mentality in a bit but we'll yeah. do some travel first but when I ran my half marathon I was I was gone I was knackered I was, I was done and I've got a 10k to do in about six weeks I've done no training so I need to get my ass in. <laughs> I think I could wing 5k so I'm halfway there it's just 10k is a different level for me honestly 10ks are kind of a weird race like I don't even know if I've been fully mastered them like I I mm. did those in college but I never really did you only really run I mean, one or one, maybe two 10 Ks a season. So you really don't get that many under your belt, yeah. which is kind of weird because a lot of, you know, I guess outdoor track meets and stuff won't even offer it as an event. Only some of them will. And, and I guess part of it is like the coaches, they don't want to throw you in too many 10 Ks either because they don't want it to, you know, just destroy your legs or your training or anything mm. like that, which yeah. it makes sense for sure. But 
yeah, so I'd only do a couple every season. So I know I don't know if I ever really got into like the right rhythm for the 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it was bad at it or anything, but it's kind of a weird race to kind of prepare for mentally. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know weirdly my PB for 10K is the half marathon. I ran it too fast. So the first <laughs> half. I remember I remember I was doing I was doing a half marathon and I was I was running around and you see the clock when you get to yep. basically halfway. I was like, oh my god, that's that's my best run ever. And then I was thinking, oh shit, I've gone too fast. And I really <laughs> suffered later in the race. I was I was really suffering. But hey, I'll, I'll take the PB for, for 10K. Uh, it's, it's in the bank. It's really funny you mentioned that because I did the exact same thing for Grandma's Marathon out in Duluth, Minnesota. I mean, it's still my fastest overall marathon to date. But I mean, when, when I came through the first 10 miles of that, I mean, I was flying. I was going yeah. way too fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I kind of had that thought in my head. Like, I was excited, but at the same time, I was thinking, okay, this could either end really good or really bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, at the end it's of the day, I got, I got a, yeah, I got a personal best at the end of the day, so I can't really be mad at it. But, I mean, I was on track to to really run a personal best mm. before that. So, it's like I slowed down quite a bit, but, <laughs> I, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay and you mentioned that marathon there so you've ran 16 in different states so what states yeah, have you 16 ran states yeah what states yep. are those so i have ran in but i've done arizona colorado illinois indiana maryland massachusetts michigan minnesota mississippi nevada new jersey ohio oregon texas washington and wisconsin wow that's a diverse select of states <laughs> Yeah, I, I I just uh made an made an account yesterday on on I believe it's called Running Raves of like a little running profile and on there they have a little interactive map that shows you all the states. It's yeah, it's it's kind of cool though because it's sprinkled and it's it's pretty diverse. Like it's I got a lot of blue spots on there, places that I've I've been and it makes it yeah they're they're pretty spread out. There's no really uh, strategy to it necessarily. I mean I I kind of do them as I can fit them in my schedule or if I'm feeling a certain race a certain year or what have you, or I'm just able to find the vacation time for it, mm. or it, there's no, there's no real method to my madness, I guess. I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of wing these things sometimes like, Oh, I, you know, I, I think I could swing, you know, doing this race in Mississippi in a few yeah. weeks, like I'll figure it out. What's next? <laughs> so I'm about to be doing my fifth Boston marathon next month. Okay. Yeah. And that's always a, a great race. I mean, it's a point to point race. I have a very historic race. Mm. And it's, it starts in Hopkinton and then finishes in the city of Boston. It's uh, overall not too crazy of a course. Everyone kind of talks about Heartbreak Hill, which I believe is right around mile 17, 18. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact mile it's at. but it's. And I always tell people Heartbreak Hill specifically isn't that bad. It's everything after that sucks because I feel <laughs> like you use all your energy to get sure. up the hill. And then it's still not easy after that. It's still not flat. It's a lot of just very gradual rolling hills kind of that mm. that don't look like much but i mean when you're <laughs> close to 20 miles deep into a race i mean every sort of incline feels like <sighs> it's Must be tough. like an eternity to get up yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and of those states that you run marathons um more travel based rather than marathon what would you say was maybe some of your favorite trips those that, that yeah. 16 you've done yeah so one that always sticks out to me just in terms of how unique it was is the ET full moon marathon out in Rachel, Nevada. And Rachel, Nevada is a very small town. Mm. It's, it has roughly 50 people in it. It's, it's very desolate, small. It's right on the outbanks of area 51, which if you're familiar with that in the States, it's, it's basically that, that area where there's a lot of 
I guess, conspiracy theories and yeah. they're, they're covering up, you know, aliens and UFOs. And yeah. It's, it's a very weird area for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, there's, it's like almost like a wasteland. There's like nothing out there except for a very run of the mill diner and, a, a, <laughs> and a, <laughs> and a bartender with some very wild stories. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I can imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. But that one really stands out to me. And it is a very special race just because it, it starts at midnight on the night of a full moon. And I mean, I'm a night owl myself and, but I've never mm-hmm. really tried like running a marathon in the middle of the night. So that in, in itself is an entirely new experience. You know, you're in a UFO hotspot area. <laughs> and so you have that paranoia kind of looming while <laughs> yeah. you're doing this. So just like, you know, not only do I have to worry about finishing this race, uh, but I also have to worry about being abducted by aliens. Potentially. Oh yeah. So, ET is around the corner. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that was just a very unique experience. And I remember I, uh, I started out pretty strong in that race and I was actually by myself for the first eight miles. And I was, I'm not going to lie. I was terrified because I, I just had this little flashlight and I had some illumination gear. I had a reflective vest that require you to wear that and stuff. Cause it's, I mean, it's dark and any sort of like wind blowing or rustling I hear, I'm just shining my little flashlight. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I was so on edge and then it was so interesting though, because right around that eight mile mark, a, a runner you know, was approaching me at first I heard footsteps and I was yeah. like, Oh no, this is it. I'm going to get abducted, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was just another runner, but <laughs> so, so the, the runner approaches me. We, we start talking to one another and he's from the, he's from Seattle, Washington, if I remember right. And he also had the 50 state goal. Like I did. Oh, okay. And, and I was like, Oh, how many States have you done? He's like, uh, I want to say he said either 42 or 48. So much wow. further along in my journey than I was. Yeah. Oh man. Cause at that point that was only my sixth state. So I was like, I'm, you know, I, I feel like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I don't even have the right to say I'm trying to do a marathon in all 50 States at this point. Cause this is, this is only my sixth state. I mean, yeah, I'm very yeah. new to this. Yeah. But I was like, Oh man, that's so cool. I was like, I got to pick this guy's brain. I was like, what's, I was like, what has been your favorite race? And mm. I mean, without hesitation, he was just, uh, you know, said like the bar Harbor marathon in Maine. It's like, really? So he said, you know, it's, it's right during the fall. He said, mm-hmm. they got the fall foliage. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a yeah. great race. It's like, all right, add that one to the list. I still have mm-hmm. not done it, but I mean, he's a very credible source, I would think. So yeah, yeah, I think he's so quite I, right I think to I say gotta, it, I think. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I got to make that my uh, marathon for Maine, for sure. <laughs> and Maine's a, well, it looks a beautiful place. So that's definitely on our, oh, it's, high on our yeah. list for USA. Yeah, I've, I've done some traveling in Maine and it's so... I would compare it to Northern Michigan, actually. Like Northern Michigan is actually very pretty. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's got a lot of, it got a lot of trees and stuff. I would almost compare it to Northern Michigan if they still had a lot of like the first growth and like old trees. Yeah. Uh, Cause unfortunately, a lot of those got cut down um, when the state got settled and stuff like the original trees. But yeah, I feel like it, Maine's a little bit more preserved and it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I went to um, Acadia National Park there. I, I want to go back though, because I feel like I wasn't even scratching the surface. That's such a big park. And I just kind of mm. did a lot of the scenic loops and drives, but it's very pretty. Yeah. And yeah, I, w- I would love to make my way back there. Okay. And talking, yeah, talking to your favorite spots in the USA, where else in the US? Oh, we'll go to international travel in a minute, but where else in the USA would you say is your favorite spots? Ooh, I guess it ultimately depends on what you're looking to do. So in terms yeah. of purely hiking, yeah, Utah is probably one of my favorite states for that. I mean, I've done Zion there. I've done Bryce Canyon. I've done Arches, Canyonlands. They are all just very fantastic parks. And mm. the landscape is so much different than what I'm used to in Michigan. And even just the Western landscape in general, it, you know, a lot of rock formations. Um, 
a lot less trees, <laughs> practically no trees. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's but it, it's so it's so beautiful though, and yeah, th- those are, have been some very memorable hikes. And then if you if you do Zion Angels Landing is a very uh, a very great memorable hike. And hopefully you're not afraid of heights because it, it can be <laughs> terrifying because oh. you, you reach a certain point and you have to grab on chains and climb up. Oh, that's so, uh, yeah. 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 I I'll never forget. Uh, I went there not knowing much about it back in 2016. I was still very new to hiking in national mm. parks and and I I was going for a friend's bachelor party and we go inside and he's like, I want to do Angels Landing. So I was like, okay, let's do Angels Landing. And I didn't know like much of anything about it. And I, we're on the shuttle bus on their way to Angel's Landing. And then I, the loudspeaker comes on. It's like, all right, we're approaching Angel's Landing. You know, this is for experienced hikers only. We had X amount of fatalities last year. And I'm looking down at like my worn down running shoes. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, but uh, luckily survived it. I mean, the, the sights at the top were absolutely breathtaking. That's worth it. But I think if I, if I remember right, I think I heard someone saying that I think they they require permits now to do that hike. Uh, and I don't know okay. if that's just a recent thing because of all the attraction and, and how much traffic that area gets. Um, but back then wow. they, they didn't require any permits, but I, I think they do now. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, still worth doing. Um, and, I, and I'm dying to go back to design to do the narrows because that's still a hike I haven't done yet. I mm-hmm. hear great things about it, but I hear you got to get there like super early to, you know, before it gets really crowded. So that's a, uh, Classic. I've never really been a morning person. I make exceptions when I travel, but it's uh, it's still something I <laughs> adjust to. But no, in, in terms of hiking, I, I love it out there. Overall, I think Vermont is a really underrated state. Boom. And I don't yeah, want to yeah. say that too loud because I don't want a lot of people moving there and I don't want it to lose its <laughs> charm, but I love yeah. Vermont. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it, the whole state to me just has that small town charm to it. They, they And it's kind of set up that way by design. They have a lot of legislation there that you know they, they don't allow billboards there are very few just like chains and strip malls and stuff like that it's a lot of mom and pop shops and it, it just kind of feels much more simple and that's part and of new I, england right isn't it it's like new england yeah, area yeah i would i would i believe so i would consider it in that that area yeah it's it's i mean it's only a few hours away from boston so i would feel like it'd have to be yeah. it's i mean all those states right there are so close to one another. yeah 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 I might, I might go on a wild spree and just bust out like five states over yeah. a week and just do the whole New England area or something. Just run, really... just, just run them all. Just keep running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just keep running through each state. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's a, but no, that's a, a great area overall. I could, you know, even potentially see myself living there one day just because it's, I, I, I'm just very drawn to that area. Really cool in general. One of my favorite cities overall that I feel like doesn't get talked about nearly enough is Savannah, Georgia. It's, it's okay. a very historic, just beautiful city. I mean, it, it's covered in Spanish moss. It's if you're into the paranormal stuff, it's one of the most haunted cities in the U.S. Apparently, too. So it's oh, wow. it's got a very weird energy to it. I went on a a ghost tour there, and that was a lot of fun. And I, I just had a blast. I mean, it's uh, yeah, you can get like your drinks in these little like to go cups and everything, and walk mm-hmm. like a uh, cobblestone streets, and it's just. I've only been there one time, but like I was so drawn out. I've been dying to go back ever since because it's I had such a great experience there. I've got some uh, listeners from Savannah, actually. Randomly. Do you? Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Georgia is actually one of my best states, I think, in the US for listeners. But yeah, Savannah is definitely um, a city that I don't know much about, but mm-hmm. I do have listeners there. So it's good to hear that you rate that as one of the top places oh, that you've for been sure. to. The cities, yeah, actually, that's great. Oh, yeah. I, got, I actually got to give a shout out to one of my former co-workers, Alex Hall, because... Uh, 
I, so I had some time off and I wanted to go somewhere. I, I just wanted mm. to, to get in the car and drive somewhere with my brother, Joel. And we didn't know where we wanted to go. We were kept kind of throwing ideas out there. Nothing was really sticking. So I asked my friend Alex one day when we were working, I was like, if you could pack up in the car and go anywhere right now, where would you go? And he, yeah. I was shocked with how quick he answered, like without hesitation, he was like Savannah, Georgia. Really? And I knew nothing about it beforehand. And he was explaining it to me pretty much the same spiel. I just said, you know, very historic city. You mm. can take your, your drinks to go and walk along the cobblestone streets, haunted city. And I was like, I'm, I'm sold. Like, that sounds awesome. And I had a blast there. And I just went on that whim and kind of took his advice. And like, yes, yeah, so I got to give him a, a shout out for that. Cause I probably wouldn't have gone otherwise. Nice. Nice shout. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and also for that North, Northeast corner, the Vermont area, I yeah. just, it's high on our list for as an, as a whole area to go to. Cause I think it's got that sort of reputation. Maybe if you're from the UK, like I am, if you see that northeast corner, it's probably like autumnal colours and like nice pristine hills and like loads of colours. That's such small quaint areas. Well, it's named New England, so I guess they probably thought it was like England, right, back in the day. But there oh, you yeah. go. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> as a country, the US, I feel like is really bad at like conserving, preserving their history. And I feel like the New England area, that's something that they do really well. Like mm. there are still a lot of old buildings and architecture that they keep around. And so that's always really refreshing to see because that's something you normally don't see of a ton in the United States, unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot of just, you know, rebuilds and um, redesign and restructuring. But yeah, all that stuff is, is really historic. And I think I remember reading a stat at one point to where of all the major cities or maybe even just the cities in general, Baltimore, Maryland uh, preserves more historic buildings than any other city. And, oh, okay. and I, I love Baltimore. It's, it's also a, a city I, I, you know, love going to and exploring. Yeah. I mean, the row houses there, the history, it's, uh, I had a blast there. And I, and I ran the Baltimore marathon there too. And I just okay. had the time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for me, Baltimore is just synonymous with the wire. Yeah. Um, and you think, oh, <laughs> do I go there? But it's, it's obviously fictional, so uh, right, I need, right. need to go there properly. But that's <laughs> the only thing I've got Baltimore is the staff. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate for a city when it's like based on that sort, sort of type of program, isn't it? Right. Uh, no, where else in the US do you think? Oh, man. I mean, I I love the Southwest in general. Like I, every time nice. I go out to Arizona, yeah. I have a blast. Yeah. It's just something about the, the landscape, the culture, the food. I mean, just... I don't know. Everything just kind of speaks to me. And it's, it's unfortunate because I, so I, I think the last time I counted, I've been to 40, I want to say 44 of the States within the U S I'm, I'm oh, very wow. close to, very to close. It, just traveling to all 50. Yeah. 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 But uh, I still haven't been to, I still haven't been to New Mexico and it's been high on my list for so long. Yeah. And I was on track to go. Uh, I, I was going to fly out there March 13th, 2020, but I think oh. everyone knows what happened shortly after that. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, everything was shutting down. I was like, maybe I should postpone this trip. Like things are getting really serious with COVID. I'm yeah. kind of glad I did because I mean, the world basically shut down for like a year and a half after that. <laughs> so. Even that weekend, probably around that, that time, I think for us, New Mexico yeah. is a state that just gets forgotten about, I think. In general, yeah. whether you're mm-hmm. even from the US or even like internationally traveling to US, like no one would ever consider to go to like is it Albuquerque the capital? Yep. Or um, the main main place. I, I believe I believe that's the capital. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that's a very big city there. And I even had plans because I was a big fan of uh, the Breaking Bad series. Like I want to see like oh, yeah. White's House and Albuquerque and yeah, yeah. I guess it's just like a regular house there, and I think the 
I think they even have people living there. I think the people kind of get mad when they stop and take oh, pictures. No, and stuff. Really? Oh. But, you know, I, I I mean, I can understand. I'd get annoying after a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. is left for states apart from New Mexico? Where else is left on your list? Oh, man. that I Well, I've been dying to go to Alaska. And it's... Oh, yeah. And I, I was going to, you know, kill two birds with one stone. It's it's one of my top marathons that I've been dying to do. And I was going to do this in 2020, but then obviously that didn't happen. Mm. I think I'm going to have to push this off until at least 2023, but uh, I believe it's called the Mayor City Marathon and it's in Anchorage, Alaska, and it's mm-hmm. on the summer equinox. So, oh, nice. you know, and, and in Alaska, it's, I mean, <laughs> during that time of year, I mean, when it's light out, it's bright for like 20 hours of 20 the day hours, just because of yeah. where the position on the globe. I mean, it's, mm. it's crazy. And I would love to go there and experience that. I mean, legitimately like the longest day of the year and it's going to be bright, like all day do this race. And then I'd, get to experience Alaska is one of the few places I haven't been. And I've just been dying to go there and check it out. I mean, the parks look absolutely incredible. Yeah. Insane. And it's just, yeah. uh, looks amazing. So that's really high on my list. We went to, um, yeah, Yukon next door. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Which is basically the same level as Alaska, but we went to the shortest day of the year. So that is oh, okay. <laughs> probably yeah, about five hours of daylight. That's it. Ooh, that's all you're getting. <laughs> Minus 30 yeah. and all that. So yeah, that's, I like, I like to do both. It's, it's an interesting contrast, isn't it? It is. I mean, God, I, I can't even imagine that, though, because I have a buddy who who lived in Alaska for a little bit, and I can't even fathom that concept because he would tell me, like, in the summertime, they have these black shades that they draw over their their blinds because it's, it's I mean, it's bright all day type thing, and even when oh, you're wow. trying to sleep. Yeah. He said he'd go on bike rides at, like, midnight to just look like the middle of the day. It's like, that would <laughs> mess with me so much mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is, I can't imagine but, that. But then there's flip side on, on the other side, right? Yeah, the but then yeah. on the opposite end too, he said those, those, like the winters and stuff obviously get really rough because he said it it would barely, there are some days where you just barely get bright at all. Yeah. It would just be pretty much dark all day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with the extremes that hard. That'd be, I don't know, that'd be a bit much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But in, in Canada, my um, my friend Carissa, who came on the podcast actually, she, she's a podcast host too. But she just moved to Yukon. I said, oh, so why are you going there? She goes, oh, I want to experience the extremes. I was like, fair enough. She goes, but also when you get a job there, they give you like a $5,000 stipend and also the wage is like 20% 20 higher because they just need people to live there and work there because no one really wants to go there to live. People go to visit, but not to to live so yeah she's given it a go for a year no for sure ironically enough vermont does the same thing actually like they're trying to draw more people out there and i want to say it's something along the lines of they will pay you like ten thousand dollars to to move there if you're able to work remotely and just like be a vermont resident there are certain obviously stipulations and yeah. stuff with it and you, you probably have to be out there for a certain amount of time and and whatever but no i yeah they they have that same concept and that's something why is that was, why, why are they so desperate to go to vermont is it I'd imagine be a nice place to live. I know, right? You, I, yeah, you would think, and I don't know what fully it is. I mean, I, I feel like maybe it's it's a little too simple for some people. Maybe, okay. um, maybe they lack some. Which I don't, I don't fully know the reason because every like uh, YouTube video I'd watch, you know, they, you know, they'd say Vermont schools are some of the best. Like, mm. it's, it's one of the best places to live. It's like, yeah. I don't know why people aren't going there. Like, I, I, I feel like it's one of those states that just gets forgotten about. Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't want to hype them up too much because I want, I want yeah, to you, myself yeah. for when I eventually go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, it's really cool there. Yeah, yeah, I'm desperate to visit, and it's also on the border of Canada, right? So, <laughs> yeah, eventually when we do our road trip, whenever that is, I think we'll come down that way for sure and go to Maine and that little 
northeast corner rhode island and connecticut and all that sort of stuff oh yeah and if you're a beer drinker honestly like vermont is some of the best beer i've ever had and that i feels like that's almost like a sin to say coming from michigan because michigan is very prideful of the beer don't get me wrong michigan has some great beer they have an awesome craft beer scene it's fantastic vermont i mean has some stuff that'll really you know give other states a run for their money for sure too and i feel like it's it's not talked about i mean there's a a nationally renowned brewery there called the alchemist which makes heady topper i mean it's you know beer snobs go nuts over it it's, it's <laughs> very good stuff and yeah they also brew something called focal banger so if you're not into ipas it's a very good ipa uh i'm not a fan of ipas believe it or not <laughs> i don't like <laughs> they're, i don't they're like coffee beers. i mean yeah, yeah no it's understandable i yeah. i honestly don't know what changed it because i initially hated ipas i was like this is way too piney this is awful how can anyone like this mm. and i had no idea what changed i don't know if it's just getting i grew to... into the beard or something yeah, i don't yeah. know if that just you <laughs> yeah, know morphed maybe, my yeah. taste yeah i don't know but eventually i was like you know what uh, like i had a, a two-hearted ale which is a, a staple in michigan and i was like you know this is pretty good and just <laughs> something flipped in my head and then uh, and then ever since and i was like i like ipas now and i don't know oh. what changed in me but wow. yeah 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 that's interesting i don't think it ever happened to me but i can't i can't rule it out because it happened to you so (laughs) it's let's give it a go maybe just spend a bit of time in this corner of the us and just (laughs) drink some craft beer and ipas oh yeah (laughs) okay and international travel where have you been that's kind of been some of your favorite spots yeah so internationally i have been to well canada that i mentioned before yeah obviously the us since i've (laughs) outside the us so but um so canada Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, and Australia. Okay. And I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to be going to Scotland in August. That has been a trip that has been in the works since 2019. We nice. didn't end up going. And then like, we'll, we'll push it back to 2020. But then yeah. we all know what happened in 2020. So then I yeah, got pushed yeah, yeah. back yeah. 2021. Uh, still dealing with lingering, yeah. you know, quarantine stipulations. Like push it to 2022. So far, it's it sounds like it's good. Yeah. And, I actually just submitted my request for to have that time off, like vacation time and everything through work. So um, it feels a little more official now. Uh, okay. Maybe I'm, I'm manifesting it and that'll make it a reality. <laughs> I don't know. But... What's the plan in Scotland? What are you, what are you thinking about doing the 500? In Scotland, it's actually through my church. And I go to a Presbyterian church and they have a lot yeah. of historic roots in Scotland. So it's a, you know, what's called a pilgrimage. And so on the itinerary for that so we're primarily going to be around edinburgh and yep. i guess uh, when we're going to be there uh it's going to be around the international festival in the royal edinburgh military tattoo and we're yep. gonna we're gonna have two weeks divided between the parish of Traprain and the isle of iona okay and kind of exploring those areas yeah doing like the edinburgh castle we're going to catch a, a real football game not the american football game so i got a scottish uh, game yeah <laughs> you gonna go and see i actually don't know like my knowledge is pretty sparse that's that's just written on the agenda so i mean whatever game's going on i'm game well, you got, for you've got I a choice of two you got a choice of two clubs there's hearts or hips so um you have a recommendation of... <laughs> they won't play at home on the same day because okay. they're rivals right so they'll be okay whoever's at home would be your choice like you, you won't get a choice out of two because okay. the other team will be away somewhere else gotcha yeah um <laughs> And you should you should try and go to Arthur's Seat as well if that's on your list. Okay, nice. It's a little it's a little hike up. It's not too bad, and it's got a great view of Edinburgh. Um, it's like a mix of steps and a bit of bit of walking up the top. Um, it's called Arthur's nice. Seat. Yeah, it's worth worth okay, checking. Okay, yeah. And I know uh, the John Muir Museum is on on yeah. the list too. He's the father of the U.S. National Park System, so I'm 
really excited of that. Almost, almost going to like the, you know, the the origin of it all, I guess. And yeah. then, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Trosex National Park. We're gonna supposed to be going there. Okay, nice. Yeah. And yeah, so we got a pretty full plan for for the two weeks out there. I'm just fingers crossed. I'm I'm hoping it happens this year. Like you know, it's been in the talks for a few years, and sounds like it is. And I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think so. You, you're good to go. I think. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited for that. But yeah, so my. My experience in the States is obviously, you know, like much more knowledge of, of um, areas in the States as opposed to traveling mm. internationally, but I am trying to travel internationally more. And I've even been teaching myself French for the past few years, because, you know, like in anticipation of going, because <laughs> I wanted to like, I was going to take some more time there initially when I went and like go to the UK, go to France and have like an authentic, like French meal and stuff. So it's like, I, I want to brush up on like, on French and actually learn some of it. So I've, sure. I've still been, yeah. you know, using Duolingo and learning that. I don't know how much of an actually retaining, but <laughs> I practice it every day. I, that's not to say I'm good at it. <laughs> I think, I think for my experience in France, you might actually need it. There's a, yeah, yeah. they don't, they don't like really speak English to English tourists. Cause they're like, right. Oh, you learned some French for once, but I <laughs> right. think they would really appreciate you trying to speak French. I think is what my guess. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, gonna try to, um, you know, be be respectful and and actually like try to speak the language to the best of my ability. And I'm, I'm sure it's not gonna be pretty. I mean, that's one of the, <laughs> yeah. so that's one of the it things. Never I never is. Yeah, <laughs> you try language, right? Yeah. But actually, speaking of which, it's funny because the first time I I traveled internationally was because um, I took German for five years in high school, and when we we went to Germany, and that's why I busted out some of these. Uh, European countries. Yeah. And we went there and uh, arguably I'd say I learned more in that trip to Germany than I did in my five years of actually in, in the German classroom. Not mm -hmm. to say that my, my time in the classroom was bad or my teacher was bad or anything, but it's just, it's so much different when you're in the environment and have to actually like yeah, sink or swim 100%. and like try to, to speak yeah. the language. And <laughs> I, I would try, I would legitimately try and, you know, I'd ask questions in German, but then they'd answer me in English. So I, I don't think I was fooling anybody. <laughs> Every German speaks English. That's, a, that's on record. <laughs> they yeah. learn it. We would no, have exactly. in school, it's like first school, like when you're, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, you'd have little pen pals uh, mm -hmm. from Germany mostly. And they'd have like perfect English. And they're like, I don't know, 12 or 13. They're just writing it to, you know, improve their English, writing English. But obviously they... They write to us who are like, you know, seven or eight years old, but it's shameful because we obviously don't, we do do German and French in school, but no one really takes it seriously. And that's because you don't really need it, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. English people are the worst at learning new languages. So, yeah. Oh, every, trust me, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Every German will, will speak English to you. So you have to be really strong with them and say, no, it has to be German only. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about Austria, what your experience is there, but yeah, Austria, my, I was, I was actually trying to recollect on all of my experiences there. And I honestly don't remember much about Austria. I remember going to the, the salt mine there, which I believe was in Hallstatt. And okay. I remember that being a really cool experience, but yeah, that was pretty much the main thing I remember there. And then just, you know, eating at a local restaurant there, but yeah, my, my I don't, I don't really have many memories from Austria, but I remember enjoying it. Yeah, I just wish I could remember more of the specific locations and things. <laughs> what about Liechtenstein? That's quite an interesting country. I've not had too many people who traveled there. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately don't have a ton of uh, tons of memories from there mm. either. The main thing I remember doing was I don't even think we spent a ton of time there. I think we just kind of popped in real quick and did a few things. And as as sad as this is, the main memory I have there is just like exchanging 
currencies. <laughs> and like, so that's that's all I remember doing, which is such a yeah. sad memory to have. <laughs> yeah, to I wish I had a better memory, but okay. And what about Australia? That's an that's a left field option, considering you've done like most of Europe. Yeah, um, no, Australia was was great. Um, actually, I think I misspoke earlier. I think I think I I traveled to Australia. No, I traveled to Australia. I'm sorry before. Europe and everything. So that was my first out of country experience. Oh, okay. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I went there in uh, the summer of 2008 through Down Under Sports to run a cross country race there. So they sent out these kind of like letters to everybody who competes yeah. in the state meet and of just like, oh, do you want to, you know, compete in Australia? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. That sounds great. Um, but I mean, you'd still have to primarily finance it yourself. It's just, uh, it's just yeah. like a s- special program and trip that they set up. But but all things considered, the, the cost really wasn't like that bad for how long you were going to be out there. And we went to Hawaii first, too. So oh, okay. nice. I, I did like some yeah. minor fundraising for it and seeing if people would support it. And I, I got some donations, but uh, my parents ended up financing the rest of it. And I'm very grateful for that, that they mm. you know, did that for me to uh, to have this experience. But yeah, it was it was a blast, though. So we I, I believe primarily stayed around uh, Sydney and then did some exploring around Queensland and yep. It was, I, I had a great time there. Like, uh, but one of the main regrets that I have is I didn't go see the Great Barrier Reef and I really wish I would have while I was there. I'm kicking myself for it now, especially with how, you know, quickly it's dying. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, no. the clock is ticking on it. I need to, I need to go and experience it. I, I still had a fun day. I like went to a rainforest instead and uh, nearly got killed by a funnel spider. <laughs> oh, God, God, yeah. <laughs> so, Watch those spiders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of glad I went when I was oblivious to all the deadly animals that are in Australia and everything that can kill you. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got pretty much everything there, I think. I mean, it's 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 still really cool, like diverse wildlife. And uh, yeah, I, I still had a blast there. I mean, it was a very new experience in so many different ways. I mean, it was, I definitely felt some culture shock for sure. I mean, for one, oh, I mean, okay. going to the, the Southern hemisphere, the major time difference. Yeah. I mean, and because of the, um, uh, what's called the Coriolis effect, like everything's like, uh, like water drains, um, <laughs> clockwise as opposed to counterclockwise in the Northern hemisphere. It's yeah. just those little subtle random. It's, it felt like almost just like a parallel universe to what I was used to. Oh, okay. you know, everyone's driving yeah. on the left side of the road compared to the right side of the road. Oh, yeah. The proper side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the proper second. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and that would, it, it messed with my head so much because I mean, I would, I would ride shotgun in these cars, but they'd be the equivalent of, of riding in the driver's seat in a U.S. car. Cause it'd yeah. be on the, yeah, everything was just flip flopped and it was just a little to get used to. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, considering all the other countries that you could have gone to, it's probably a, a nicer one to start with. I think you could have had a very much more of a culture shock up in other places, I think. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I Australia mean, was my first big trip like outside of Europe. So that was like, okay, I was a bit culture shocked, I think. Yeah, just the heat and yeah. everything's bigger, everything's wider, everything's cleaner. It's not as it's newer. I'm like, oh my God, this place does things like way better. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. It's just awesome, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree, though. I think Australia is a great country to start with just because, they, I mean, they do have those differences for sure. But I mean, if you're a U.S. traveler going to Australia, there are much more similarities than there are differences compared to if you were to go to a, a country with a completely you know foreign language or something yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, they have yeah. you know different terms and phrases that you got to get used to, for, mm. for, but they're very they're very subtle differences. There's stuff you can easily pick up yeah. on and they're and they're obviously used to American culture and stuff like that. So I, you know, they, they're yeah. very accommodating and, and whatnot. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a mix, isn't it? It's a mix between what I would generally say three mix of cultures now in Australia. They've, they've got obviously the old colonial influence. They've got the American influence, but you know, the big skyscrapers and it's a newer country. And they've also now got an Asian influence because of location, right? So they've got these like three oh, yeah. melting pots of whether that's culture or food or um, buildings and transport. Like it's all that sort of mixed together now. And but if you went to somewhere like New Zealand, just uh, over the water, I'd imagine that's more, I mean, like more American or more British, I'd say. Um, okay. Not as much Asian influence there, but like in terms of maybe it, that might have been an even easier transition. Because I, I, I met a lot of Americans who travel to New Zealand. I think it's just with school or with university, you can do quite a few exchanges. So a lot of people do do that. I think that's quite an easy route for both Kiwis and for Americans, I think. For sure. Actually, New Zealand's really high on my list to visit too. I, I, I'm dying to go to the glowworm cave there. Oh, it's it brilliant! Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's a couple dots about. I went to the Waitomo. Yep, that's uh, that's the one I want to go to. Yeah, it's oh. it's weird. It's weird. You just go into this like <laughs> cave. It's like ah, oh, sort of like little dots about, <laughs> and they were. It looks so amazing. Ah, yeah. oh, that's that's like very high on my list. <laughs> I always recommend New Zealand to anyone who wants to go there who's on, on a list but like if they're not sure about it ha- you have to go the south island's got less people so if you want um a bit more nature okay go south island's got like a quarter of the population of new zealand so north mm. island's got more towns and a bit more busier but i think the south island's more grand in terms of its sort of like fjords and it's got loads quite a few mountains down there and lakes nice contrast okay, okay nice yeah <laughs> it's really funny because this is totally random but um so I also co-host on a, a movie podcast called Films for the Void. And, you know, we'll cover different random films that came out and, and keep up with with newer releases and stuff. And I recently watched um, The Power of the Dog. And I, I loved, like, the backdrop and the landscape there. And they, they really captured, like, this Western culture. And it's supposed to take place in Montana. But it was actually filmed in New Zealand, I found out. <laughs> just like... I was like, oh, wow. well, I yeah. didn't expect that. But I mean, the, the backdrop was gorgeous. I mean, it looked it looked amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you another fact about a film if you want. Oh, yeah. You know, have it. you seen The Last Samurai? Have you seen that? Oh, it's been on my list, but I still have not seen it. <laughs> well, obviously, it's based in Japan, right? But it's actually filmed. Mm-hmm. Mount Fuji is actually filmed in New Zealand. It's actually um, oh yeah, a mountain in New Zealand. It's just incredibly like Mount Fuji. But yeah. That, hmm. that scene with the mountains in there is filmed in New Zealand. There you go. Interesting. I feel like I, I could be wrong with this, but I feel like New Zealand would be a very like good like hot spot for like filming and stuff too. I mean, I mean the, it, the scenery is gorgeous there. I mean, the landscape's incredible. you got Hobbiton, if you're interested in that. True, yeah. Yeah, so Hobbiton bad. would be a great uh, film set to go and see. And <laughs> in Wellington, they've got the Weta Studios, W-E-T-A, Weta. Okay. They do Phil Jackson's, all that sort of stuff, right? So oh, all nice. his films and... They do so much stuff down there, which is in right in the middle of Wellington. It's actually a nice, you can do a tour there. So if you stayed in Wellington, the capital, you sort of go over, you go under the tunnel towards the airport and it's just a bit further on. It's in a place called Miramar, but the setting's really cool because Miramar's got like smallish hills, but Weta Studios is like right dipped right down. So it's like, if you look up, it's like the surrounding hills and it's just like a real like idyllic area you can drive to. Ooh. And it's so so sh- like small to place. It takes like 10, 15 minutes in a car. But yeah, where the studios is, is worth visiting, I think. Okay, nice. He's got so many places to add to my list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did live in New Zealand for a year, so I think we've got uh, quite a few um, recommendations for that place. And okay. we're the same as you. We want to go back. So we want to go back there. Yeah. Um, and see it again. That'd be so cool. 
Yeah. And I guess in terms of uh, other places I've, I've traveled internationally, um, like I went to, you know, Switzerland as well on this, mm. on this Germany trip. And I just remember doing the, the Swiss Alps there and, 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 you know, obviously very breathtaking. And that was just uh, such a cool experience. But then also one of the main things I remember while being there is that, you know, one of those subtle differences compared to the United States, because, I, you know, I'm used to just all these different shops and businesses being open, open late, open till early morning, you know, 24 hour shops, but that is yeah. not the culture, you know, especially yeah, if you yeah. get into these small cities in, in Switzerland. I mean, the whole town was shut down by like 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I admired it so much. I'm like, you know, this is how we should be living life type thing. Yeah, like, it should I'd, be, yeah. You know, it wasn't, I definitely wasn't like frustrated, like, oh, why aren't these places open? You know, like, account, mm. like I respected it because I was just like, I wish more places around the US were like this. <laughs> and I think, yeah, we living here in Canada, getting sort of used to what you would be growing mm. up with, like, you know, things open all the time, like getting coffees at 6 p.m. No right. chance in Europe. I mean, some <laughs> cities, yeah, but so, I would expect someone like Switzerland, no, we, we are closing for the day. That's it. <laughs> But I've never been to Switzerland, so I'd love to go. Yeah, no, I, I had a very positive experience there. And no, I'd love to go back and, and experience these places again. I feel like I would, it's hard because I feel like at that time, I still wasn't fully like, didn't appreciate the experience yeah. as much as I should have. I was almost like going through the motions in a way. It's like, okay, like, you know, it's a trip that my class planned. They already have the schedule and itinerary in place. And, you know, just kind of going along with everything that's planned and just kind of, you know, going about it that way. But I feel like it, it forces you to learn so much about the area and the culture if you make your own itinerary and, and, you know, or even if you go on these solo trips or go to these new foreign places and just kind of, you know, do research, look into things. It forces you to like pay more attention, appreciate it more, mm. really engulf yourself in the culture. So I feel like that was almost a turning point for me too, is actually like planning these trips on my own rather than just tagging along for like a class trip or like yeah, a sponsored exactly. event or something like that. Mm. Because when you're, it, I don't know, I think that's when it really clicked for me. And that's when I grew to really, I think, appreciate it more is when I was setting my own itinerary and schedule and then making a list of places to check out. And, and then I just grew to love it so much. And then I think that it added freedom to it. It really added it to me of just, I can check out you know, any of these places and yeah. And then it's just an addicting feeling. <laughs> and there's no, there's no like um, rush as well as that or no pressure. So if someday you just want to chill out and have a you know coffee in a cafe in the middle of a city, right? And so be it. Like you, you might miss a few things, but that might be equally as good as what you were planning to do. So yeah, it, yeah. it kind of people are so, in such a rush these days. I guess that's because mm -hmm. they have limited time with their vacation time, right? But yeah, right. if if you if you're limited time, you you, you got to get a move on, and you got to really try and cram it all in. And sometimes you miss the sort of like savoring it or experiencing it, and that's a shame. I know exactly. I think I, I purposely, even for shorter trips, I try to set the bar like really low intentionally of just as long as I check out this place and this place, like I'll narrow it down to, to very few places and say, as long as I check out these couple places, I'm happy. Like anything else I do is a bonus for me. Yeah. And I think that's honestly the best way to travel because then you're never really disappointed because it's, it's really not asking much to get the bare minimum done of what you want to do. Mm. And then everything else is just kind of a pleasant surprise of, Oh, like this museum sounds really cool. You know, this coffee shop looks awesome. I'm going to hang out here for a second. And then it kind of forces you to be a little bit more sporadic with it, or not sporadic, but more uh, impulsive with it. And we can just kind of yeah. sit down and just kind of actually soak it in and enjoy it. And that's kind of the point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's key to leave that <laughs> little bit of room for 
spontaneity, yeah. right? You want to maybe one day just go somewhere completely off grid or you might have heard about something that someone recommended in a hostel or hotel oh, wherever yeah. you're staying, right? So you want to leave that room just to leave there for recommendations or, for, or to chill out. It's, there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, speaking of which, no, some of my best recommendations have come from locals and I'll look specifically on to talk to locals and, and kind of mm. get their um, feedback on places to go and check out. And one specific example I'm thinking of with this is when my brother Joel and I were in Bozeman, Montana back in 2016, we're at this local diner and we just get talking with someone passing the time, you know, as we're waiting in line to get seated and just kind of telling her about our adventures and like, yeah, we're going to, we're venturing to Utah next, you know, any recommendation places to go. And she's like, you know, if you're in Salt Lake city, you got to go to um, red iguana. It's like the, the best Mexican food you'll ever have. So like, okay. Red iguana. I was like, yeah, well, I think we'll be in Salt Lake. So I took her up on that. We mm-hmm. went to red iguana and hands down, probably some of the best fish tacos I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so just based <laughs> on, you know, a, a random interaction and encounter in, Bozeman, Montana, not even in the same state, but just recommending places to go as you, as you go. And you'd be surprised, you know, if you just, you know, take a few seconds to just talk to a local or something like that and just say, yeah, I'm, I'm passing through the area. What do you recommend doing? And I don't think I've ever really been seared wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely one of the best ways to do it. And I think that yeah. encourages people to maybe, yeah, go and speak to a local. They're just the same as us. They have more, more knowledge than you about that, that area. Go and see what they say. They might tell you oh, somewhere sure. that's really rubbish that's on your list. So, like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I was in LA this weekend and I was just getting my tips from someone who lives in LA. I mean, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got the obvious stuff to do, but the the little calf or the little restaurants or little areas. Yeah. Yeah. Go and speak to a local. Oh, for sure. It's been a few years, but I remember going out to LA for a track meet in college. Uh, I ran. I ran a 5k at Cal state there and we kind of stayed like, uh, and, or there was another meet going or no, I was supposed to run a 10k at Cal state, but then I ended up doing a 5k to Azusa Pacific in the area. But yeah, that was my, my first taste of, of California mm. and yeah. What a place to start though. I mean, talk about sensory overload. God. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot I going mean, on bumper there. To bumper there? traffic. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to do a podcast episode on it. I think cause I've got so much to, to share with what we experience and uh, maybe the do's and yeah. don'ts. There's just a lot going on. That's 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 a good good way to do it. And I don't know if you if you ventured much outside of LA, but something that really surprised me, and I believe it was 2018 where I did this trip. Mm. But I went out to California to to do more of the national parks and to okay. drive more of the state. Yeah. And outside of I mean LA and, and San Francisco, I mean California is a much different place than you'd expect. It's, it's, there are a lot of just long stretches of just, uh, I don't want to say like barren wasteland, but it's obviously a lot less dense and a lot less densely populated. Yeah. And I know they've, they brought up legislation several times and they're about dividing it into separate states, the state of California, because oh, okay. it is very diverse. Yeah. And I can see why now, because it's, it's, I mean, outside of the bigger cities like LA and San Francisco, it's a, it feels like a completely different state. Okay. And so they, I think they just have, yeah, a, a lot of those bigger cities kind of have ultimate say in a, in a lot of things, but there's a lot of, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's much more diverse than you would expect, or at least that's, that was my experience of it, you know, driving and going to see, you know, Joshua tree. And then I did. Mm. I didn't make it far enough North to see the redwoods, but I saw the Sequoia trees and those were oh, yeah. amazing. I mean, they're, I mean, they're the largest trees on earth in terms of, of sheer mass. I mean, they're huge trees. Yeah. 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 I, we, we, we didn't venture out to the outside of the city limits really. We, I've done, mm-hmm. yeah, we went to LA and I've done separately San Francisco, but just the city limits. So 
yeah that is on our list to maybe just do that coastal road i think from um washington state down to Poly oh, san diego yeah. that'd be pretty cool kind of see what yeah. that's got to offer um one uh, going back to marathons one that's really high on my list to do um is a big sur marathon out in california because oh, yeah. it's right along highway one on the coast and it's very scenic race i hear nothing but good things about it i've heard it's not a very easy course by any means so i mean there's mm. it's a lot of elevation change it's very yeah. like, hilly i'd imagine <laughs> the essay is it quite hilly yeah, yeah. but i mean it it sounds and, and looks incredible i think i think most of the time i mean because the race fills up so fast and i think most of the time i just forget to sign up and i'm like well i gotta wait till next year yeah it'll still be there yeah, yeah i'll do it eventually <laughs> <laughs> and also for i've got a couple more questions and then we'll crack on with your podcast and yeah marathon running as well what do you think the purpose is of travel why do you go traveling like what is the purpose yeah no that's a really good question and ultimately for me I, I travel to gain a, a better understanding and to be more well-rounded and to familiarize myself with a culture, with an environment that I'm not familiar with. I, I, like, I truly believe that traveling makes you a very well-rounded person. It makes you be able to relate to different people in so many different fronts because um, I, I feel like you're able to meet them halfway easier because mm. if you have that kind of base knowledge and connection with maybe you know, some of the things that, um, that they're coming from and some of their perspectives. If they mm -hmm. happen to grow up in an area to where you traveled there a year or two ago, had a really great experience, you know, that's that's already a connection right there. That's something you can bond over. Yeah. And it, it just kind of gets you outside of the mindset of, you know, where you're growing up and what you're doing being the way of life for everybody. And it, mm -hmm. it's just kind of a mind blowing fact when you realize that's not the case. I mean, everyone has such a completely different way of life and upbringing. And th those, those things always fascinate me and interest me and to just kind of get that base knowledge and, and understanding of that. Yeah. And I feel like it just makes for much more compelling conversations, much more meaningful conversations with people too. Yeah. I think that understanding is what drives people to go away. Right. And especially different cultures, mm -hmm. uh, different languages, you try and communicate with a local who probably doesn't speak English, right. So you're going to try and understand who this guy is, what they're up to, how they live. And I think that's why. I would always encourage um, sort of out of the comfort zone travel, really. Um, mm -hmm. And I know, like, for, for example, Americans have got such a diverse country that I can understand why you would probably go to going to see the 50 states because there's so much to go and see and do in those states and they have their own culture. But maybe it's worth yeah. just dipping out just to different countries, different areas of the world. Oh, it's, it's so true. I mean, it's there was a shocking stat that I, I came across recently that just blew my mind. It was something mm. along the lines of on average, like the, the average American will only travel to, I think, six or seven states in their lifetime, which blew my mind. Whoa, just stay. <laughs> it was just like they pretty much just stay where they are. And it's like that that breaks my heart, though. I mean, I mean, wow. it's it's there's so much to see out there and it's so much different depending on where you are in the country. I mean, there's there's something I take away and I appreciate from each place that I go you know, the, the vibe in the environment in the Pacific Northwest is completely different than the vibe in the Southwest, which is completely mm. different than the vibe in the South. And the landscape looks different. The way of life looks different. The people, you know, are different and, and just have different lifestyles and, and viewpoints. And I find all that so fascinating. I mean, America truly is just a very big melting pot. And yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh it's nuts and i think um i'm, I'm probably butchering the story or, or rephrasing but i but what's really funny is i have a cousin who i think hosted some uh some exchange students i believe were uh i believe they were from europe and they were visiting the united states yeah and i remember he asked him like oh what do you want to do today and i don't think they fully grasped like how big the u.s is 
So like, oh yeah, I like we would love to see the Grand Canyon. Like that's uh that that's a ways away. Like, yeah. like that's like um that's all the way the other side of the country. I mean, like uh <laughs> pure if you're purely like you know driving, that'd be like a 30 hour drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just like I've never even seen the Grand Canyon. Well, I mean I have, but he hadn't, but <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a but, great point. It's like Europe, basically, you're right? Mm-hmm. In terms of yeah. size and oh, for sure, and that. yeah, but yeah, it, it truly is a huge place for sure. To your point, yeah, yeah, and I think there's like diverse travel, right? You can get beaches, skiing, minus oh, yeah. thirty in Alaska, or probably plus um, this degree Celsius, plus thirty in Texas, or forty maybe. Like it's just the lush green in Northeast. Like there's, there's so much, and it's oh yeah, it, it's a lifetime of travel in itself, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And and one th- one thing I just want to add that I was thinking about, what which I find really interesting, so. For the longest time, I would do road trips. And yeah. even though it would just be crazy amount of time in a car and, and, you know, when you could be traveling and sightseeing other places, that's kind of part of the journey, though, in my opinion. So um, it's it's crazy, though, because I did like a two week road trip out west with my brother, Joel, back in 2016. And what was so fascinating to me is because like I had been to Las Vegas before that we made it as far west as Vegas. But when you're flying from Michigan to Las Vegas, then the landscape just flip-flops. It's completely different. You mm. don't see any transition. It's just you land there. It's like, wow, this is so much different than I'm used to back home. But it, when you drive that long stretch and that long drive, it's a gradual change. And it's so interesting to see it gradually change as you're mm. driving and see the progression of the landscape. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just so vast. I mean, you're so vast. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to think. Um, how big it is i think what happens in the uk we hear the popular spots right i, I said this a few times in the podcast florida is a classic mm-hmm. classic uk trip for a family oh where are you going we're going to florida oh yeah of course you are and also <laughs> new, new york is a classic one because it's, it's quite right. close yeah uh, that are two classic but yeah vegas would probably be up there as well but other than that i think people would just have no idea about the rest of it like obviously you heard yeah. of, of of la and hollywood and stuff like that and, and san fran but Mm-hmm. Texas might be completely alien to some people. I would love to go to Texas. I want to go and check it out. Oh, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was just there a few weeks ago. That was state number 16 for me. Oh, yeah. Did, uh, yeah. A marathon in Fort Worth. And yeah, yeah, that was my first time experiencing it outside the Dallas airport. And it's a it's a very interesting state for sure. Mm. Diverse, <laughs> I reckon, as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of interesting areas that are probably... I wouldn't say opposites, but got different sort of thoughts, I imagine. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, speaking of, of areas that are big, I mean, Texas is huge. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wasn't even scratching the surface. I just stayed in the Fort Worth area. I'd, and I mean, it's a huge state. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> huge. Can't wait to go. We're going to quickly touch on your marathon run. And I know we talked a little bit about it already, but I've got a few just ad hoc questions, really. The mindset yeah. of, a, of a marathon runner, like, are you someone who needs training, like you would need to keep on top of it? Or does it kind of come naturally to you that you can just keep it ticking over, like you've got a marathon plan for next month, maybe month after, like, would you still train quite hard in between or just turn up and do it, do you think? Yeah, um, <laughs> I tell myself I'm going to train more and I try to, uh, yeah. I think just with balancing other other life duties and everything. My, my training is always a lot more lackluster than I'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do attribute a lot of that to, I think I am a pretty naturally gifted runner. I don't yeah. think many people can say, <laughs> you know, that they, they can just kind of wing it and do a marathon with kind of subpar training. And I think a lot, I built a lot of, the, of this base over the years. I mean, of just, yeah. of just years of competitive running and doing it since I was, I, you know, I was a 
I was younger, but in terms of mentality and training, I always want to do more, but I end up just kind of not doing as much as I'd like. And it's not always pretty, but um, I've, I've been able to complete every marathon that I've attempted, which is, you know, knock on wood, which has been <laughs> good so right. far. Yeah, but yeah, yeah um, I, I, I think ultimately I just try to go out there and just log the miles and run. Uh, in the early stages, I would do strategic, I would be strategic with it and I would go on, you know, like tempo runs or cut down runs. So I would do like a very, like a, like basically like a race pace speed for like a tempo run or like a cut down run where I'd go out at a controlled pace. I'd come back at a faster pace. And when I started mm. almost getting like the negative slip mentality. And I, I used to do stuff like that. And I kind of want to get back and doing that more, but as of lately, it's literally just purely logging runs, just going out there, not really focusing much on pace, but then just focusing on distance and just building the mileage. Okay. And on your website, um, which is juxtaposedjourneys.com, you have, yep. um, which I was looking at last night, you have a total sort of number of Ks that you've ran. Is that just the marathons you competed in or is that just including training as well, do you think? <laughs> so that's the overall goal number for what I'm looking to run. That That is the calculation for how many kilometers 50 marathons is. Well, it's, it's roughly that number. Uh, okay, I got you. Um, yeah. And that was actually something, it's funny because uh, I had my website redesigned from a college student, Elise Benner from South Dakota, and she actually like revamped and redesigned that website. And she kind of added that little metric and feature. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, mm. so I kind of like kept it yeah. on there, had it jotted down. Because I actually thought about that myself of just the, the calculation of like, how many kilometers have I actually, because I, I mean, I think of everything in miles, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course, being in of the course, US and not on the, yeah. on the metric system. But I've ran 674.49 kilometers in different states. If you count all the nice. marathons I've done total since I've done Boston four times, that's 800.96 kilometers yeah. in total that I've ran purely marathons. So yeah, if you're looking for the number in the metric, wow. there it is. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. And just to clear, yeah, to clear it up that on your website is the total number of Ks you'll Correct. need to run to get through every yep. state running a marathon. Yeah, I imagine you saw that and you go, whoa, that's a, I like, <laughs> saw wow. that number for there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's the total for what I will I will do for all 50 eventually. Marathon yeah. running, intriguing. I've run a half marathon, but the thought mm -hmm. of doing another one on top of that, whoa, nah, just not for me, <laughs> which is absolutely fine. But I have yeah. a lot of lot of um, appreciation for people who do that sort of, what I consider, it's extreme, it's extreme, it's not many people run marathons, right? Not consistently. You might, you might run your one, but you and I think another guest of mine, who come on, Matty Dyers, who's an ultra marathon runner. Yep. I mean, he's running 50Ks, like maybe 50 to 100Ks ago. But even yep. he said, actually, interestingly, that I said to him, like, oh, well, so you can run a marathon tomorrow? He goes, no, I can run 50Ks tomorrow. I was like, right, that's more than a marathon. He goes, yeah, but marathon is timed and it's mm -hmm. harder. So yeah, if you're not worried about time, he can just keep going for 50Ks or 60 or 70, right? But a timed marathon is is difficult for him he said now that's interesting to think about because i imagine the mentality's got to be so much different because i would love to eventually do ultra marathons and kind of mm. dive in that realm but that's a completely different you know physical yeah. and mental mind shift too because i've i've even interviewed um one woman on my podcast who has done a hundred mile race and i can't even wrap my head oh, around that concept may die may die yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> i can believe it yeah i i, I, I can't even more. yeah I think he ran for 12 hours. There was a competition Jeez. who could run the most in 12 hours. I think he was living in Slovakia or somewhere. Um, yeah, those, he, yeah, those competitions crazy. always intrigue me too. I'm forgetting the name of it, but I have a friend who 
did this race to where it was four mile loops and it would be on like our cycles essentially. So mm. you would have an hour to run four miles, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, mm. you know, it sounds like a lot of, a lot of time, which it is, but that you, but they're starting another four miles on the next hour and you just go until you can't go anymore. So you wonder how you got to strategically plan for that. Like, do you run a, a moderate pace or, yeah. or a pretty decent pace, uh, be out there for a half hour, have a half hour rest yeah. and start again? Yeah. Or do you go slower and just kind of gradually keep moving and, and roll your way into the next cycle of the four miles? I, I mean, I imagine everybody's strategy is different with it, but that mm. race really intrigued me because it's, you know, at that point you're, 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 fi you're fighting your mind, you're fighting your body. You're not fighting against the clock. I mean, you're, you're going out there for the only clock you're fighting is I guess, keeping going in general. And I, I can't even imagine. I feel like that'd be a very different mindset going into that. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to wait what I'd do. I think I'd be tempted by the half an hour done rest. That'd be <laughs> yeah. mine. That I think that would be my, mine. my approach too. And then I would just kind of do some light stretching, stretching, keep active in some capacity. So I don't just go like stop, start, stop, start all the time. Cause I feel like that would wear on you in the long run, but I think I'd nap, yeah. I'd nap. That's going to be great. You'd right? have to strategically. Cause yeah, that's, that's another thing to think about because as the longer you're out there, obviously you got to start thinking about, I have to, you know, go to the bathroom. I have to sleep. I have to yeah. eat, you know, like, so you got to strategize all of those concepts too. So, I mean, I would yeah. love to do uh, that. It's intrigued me. <laughs> yeah. It's an intriguing idea for sure. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go, we're going to finish on your podcast, obviously, because we want to hear about mm -hmm. that, um, which you do talk about mental health on your podcast, but also you mentioned that on your website. So I thought we'd go there first mm -hmm. and then we'll delve into your podcast about what it's about and where we can find it and stuff. So, yeah. You do a lot of work about mental health, which is great. It's a, it's a topic that needs to be considered and talked about yeah. more. So mm -hmm. tell us, like, what, what is your journey with that? What made you sort of delve into that sort of area? Yeah, so um, I, I've been, like, silently dealing with OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, pretty much my whole life. And I it wasn't officially diagnosed until around, I want to say, 2018 or so. Yeah. And I try to be, you know, like, the most transparent person I can be. And so, you know, I was dealing with a really rough time in that year specifically. And then that was, I, I reached a breaking point, you know, where I, I had a really bad panic attack at work. And I was just thinking mm -hmm. like, I need to take control of this. Like I need to seek some help for this because, you know, what I've been trying to manage and do on my own, like, isn't enough. I need, I need some help. Yeah. So I, I started going to therapy sessions and I, I feel like I, I got some benefit from it for sure. And got some words of encouragement and, Naturally, during that time, I was doing a lot of writing. So that's where a lot of those pieces came out. And I yeah. was keeping it somewhat as a diary and a documentation for what I was going through. And then also kind of breaking that wall down a little bit and trying to be that person that's saying like, hey, like I'll wear my heart on my sleeve and kind of show you, I guess, all the skeletons in my closet type thing. Like I'll be mm -hmm. vulnerable and mm -hmm. I'll put that out there because I, I feel like I'm comfortable enough and in a mental state enough to do that. And I feel like that could be something that might be, you know, inspiring to read or to hear from other people about, I guess, just being more transparent or just having solace in the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. You know, I, I battle with these same thoughts and, and ideas too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. So I think ultimately, I think I was just trying to put it out there and document it so that. I could kind of work through and process it, but also put myself in a, in a vulnerable position to where, 
you know, maybe, maybe these are the types of words or something like that, that someone else needs to hear too. Because I, to your point, I think mental health is extremely important. It's something that people need to take seriously. 100%. The OCD thing's interesting because mm-hmm. I'll tell you a, a real small example. My, <laughs> my uh, couple of friends and me are going to do the Camino de Santiago in Spain in June, which is like a, a pilgrimage walk to Santiago. It's like, 20 trails we're doing one of those it's about 120 k's we're going to try and do it in six seven days anyway i said i'll set up the whatsapp group he's like yeah yeah it's fine now i put um as the whatsapp group title santiago de camino which is the wrong the wrong way around mm-hmm. and i think i even saw that and thought that's fine and my mate went no it's camino de santiago i'm like oh does it matter he goes yeah unfortunately that's my ocd just really attacking me there i have to live with that yeah. i was like okay I'll change it around. I said, I'm completely opposite to you. And he goes, I wish I was you. I was like, oh, fair enough. But yeah, just like a small example of OCD, which just a couple of words switched around, but mm-hmm. it's quite hard to understand how that can have an impact on someone. No, for sure. And I think I think mine comes more specifically in the forms of just compulsive habits, uh, like ritualistic habits that I have that are really mm. hard for me to break. Like I, um, I'm one of those ritualistic like hand washers. I wash my hands constantly. Okay. And, so, was, so ironically enough, when the pandemic started, I didn't have to adjust yeah. because it was yeah. literally stuff I did yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. like, so there was, there was no adjustment there, but yeah. So, I, you know, I'm a hand washer. I constantly check things a lot. Like I'm one of those type of people who would check to make sure that the door is locked like five times before. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. And I, I, tr- mm. I try to uh, recognize it and try to be mindful of it. and you know, not obsessed so much over it, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And then, yeah. So it, it just, it just kind of an obsessive personality with that, but you know, you could, you could look at both sides of it. I mean, because there are positives that, that come out of some of those traits. I mean, just the whole attention to detail aspect, like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something really important, but, but obviously there needs to still be a fine line too, because there are moments to where I, kind of my OCD will take over with like editing the podcast specifically. And I'll spend so much more time than I probably should, like cleaning mm. up an episode, fine tuning yeah. things. And it's I like, understand. when do I reach a point to where I just say, no, like, this is good. Like you've been spending way too much time <laughs> on this and you are the only one who is going to notice. <laughs> and also technically you could say it's art or, cr- or creation stuff, right? So it's never going to be perfect. That goes exactly. for podcasting, music, art. There'd always be mm. something like, oh, I could change that. You right. just have to put it out there eventually, right? And I think mm-hmm. I, I do, I said to Emma, my girlfriend, I said, I, I think I've got a little bit of an addictive personality. Or is it obsessive? I don't know. It's one of the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my example would be that I can't do things half-assed. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this podcast, right? And I, I'll give you a few other examples of what why it's different to how I'm doing it, is that I'm I'm fully in here. Like, I'm, I'm getting guests like yourself. I'm editing it all, putting hours and hours and every week like yourself. I want to put like as much social media content out there, trying to do marketing, trying to do travel content, trying to travel as well, mm-hmm. all this stuff, because I'm fully into trying and getting this podcast to, to work, right? And to trying to appeal to people. And I see people in the same sphere as me, like travel podcasts, if you like, and mm-hmm. they do the odd post. And I'm like, oh, how can you just do the odd post or maybe not be a regular contributor every Monday, for example, like I am. Like It's, it's hard for me to understand because those guys are probably just doing it purely for fun. And it's just a bit of casual, something in their spare time, right? But I'm, I can't do that. Like even playing a sport, mm-hmm. I have to just probably practice every day because I can't deal with being rubbish at it. It's, um, 
it's the same because I was playing guitar and I studied music, right? And that what ten years worth. And the only reason I stopped was because travel took over. So that's just another thing that has been going on ever since, right? So I had a guitar for ten years, every day two, three hours, and people always say to me, oh, "I love to play guitar." I'm like, "Yeah, great." I love to be good at guitar. Well, you, you got to put the hours in because I put oh, two, yeah. three hours in every day, right? And people don't want to hear that. So, yeah, it's just a weird constant cycle of it almost takes the fun out of something sometimes and it's a bit annoying. No, I, I know what you mean because, like, I I have those moments as well to where I, I put, sink way too much time into, into my podcast when it comes to research, editing, yeah, you know, f- figuring out how I want to structure the show, getting guests, doing research. I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it so much you know, like behind the scenes work that I do. And, but yeah, I mean, to your point too, like I, I stick with it as well. I mean, like uh, I have that release schedule of bi-weekly every Monday. So I release an episode yep. bi-weekly every Monday, even if yeah, I don't get fail, any sleep right? that night, like without fail. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's no, that's something to admire too. I, I guess that's uh, one of the positive spins of having, you know, an obsessive or an ad- addictive personality is just being stuck to that, that ritual and say, yeah. okay, like, this is what I have set in stone. This is how I'm going to do it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so it is good. It has its, its good points. And there's also bad points stuff. Like, let's yeah. say I've been really super organized. I put two hours or three hours into editing. I've got my social media posts ready and I'm sitting down for, I don't know, half an hour, hour just on my phone, like playing a game or watching TV. I then feel bad that I, sh- I should be doing something else with it. So it's hard oh, to switch yeah. off from what's enough and what is actually allowed to be just downtime. So that's quite an interesting yeah, debate. Yeah. Really. No, it's, it's really funny you bring that up. Cause that's something I, I constantly struggle with is that I've my, I mean, my schedule has been extremely busy and like, I mean, I have like a calendar and like so much time blocked off and like, mm-hmm. I'm very like organized with it, but it can be a little overwhelming sometimes. And I've, and I've come to notice that if I don't schedule my downtime or something, or actually say no, like at this time you were shutting this off, you were stopping work and you were going to do something for yourself, you know, read, play a video game, watch a movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. So unless I schedule that, like I don't take that time. If I have extra time that, oh, I can get ahead on work for, you know, this week or something like that. And then I just mm. burn myself out. So that's, that's a, that's a balance I'm still trying to find. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, and I think there's also a different eco, even more granular. Let's say you give yourself an hour. I'll give myself an hour of downtime. If I'm reading, fully accept it because i feel like i'm learning something i'm probably going to learn something new i've got a few books on the go i do read but if i just play a video game i feel like oh, this is a waste of time it doesn't really mean anything even though i enjoy it there's that battle as well it's like oh bloody hell it's funny i have a nasty habit of turning all the fun things in my life into work so like, yeah. i can't just i can't yeah. just watch a movie <laughs> i have to I have to watch it. I have to rate it and review it. I have to write notes about it, talk about it on a podcast because now I'm on a movie podcast. Oh, and of course, like, yeah. I, t- I turn it into work. The, that, and it used to just be I pop in a movie and watch it. But like now I have to add so much structure to it. I have to log it. I have to <laughs> write my thoughts, you know, yeah. do research on the actors and actresses. And and it, it it's it literally, I think, I think pretty much video games are the only thing that is purely pleasure for me and just leisure that's the one thing yeah as same. of now i have not turned into work so i mean yeah, talk to I'm me in same. like a year and maybe mm. i'll start a video pro game. gamer yeah yeah exactly dream job <laughs> i'd say that's right. a dream i'm just oh, no yeah. good <laughs> you can't compete with these uh these 10 year olds been playing video games every oh, day after school for like five years right no no competition <laughs> they're they're too good always will be yeah oh yeah i 
it's weird. Like, I guess the closest I've come to to work with video games lately is I started listening to video game podcasts and I watched like oh, okay. video game YouTube channels. Yeah, there's one called Triple Jump. Yeah. I I watched. That's okay. that's very good. I really enjoy their commentary and kind of keeps me up uh, in the world with it because I've realized that. I get a lot more nostalgic with video games, so I, I don't Same. keep up yeah. as much with like the newer ones as I, I should. So then mm. that kind of keeps me more grounded with it, I guess. Yeah, I, I can lose myself for two hours in a video game, 100%. Also, yeah. th- this might be an awful thing to hear for your film podcast, but I can't watch fictional films. Really? Not interested. Even TV shows. I'm like, the first thing, is it based loosely on any true facts? No, not watching it. Interesting. Maybe apart from, actually, the caveat there is apart from crime you know, like the classic crime thriller there, mm-hmm. trying to find the murderer. I'll watch that because it's yeah. based on the fact in the show. But mm-hmm. yeah, anything else, I can't do fiction. That goes with books as well. No, it's it's really interesting you mentioned that because I was the same way for the longest way with well for the longest time with books. I could not read a fictional book. Yeah, and, and like I had to be reading for you know for knowledge and factual gain i would read nonfiction. i'd read memoirs yeah. i'd read self-help books i'd read mm. i'd read something i've started reading I've, I've like forced myself to start reading more fiction lately and kind of my mind shift with that and and how i got into it is now i've been really into like controversial banned books and fiction uh, like banned <laughs> fiction yeah, because yeah. i I, yeah. I i'm a sucker for anything that's controversial so it's just like okay <laughs> yeah. what about this so in a weird way i almost kind of am researching i'm like okay what about this really rub people the wrong way and i'm reading it, i'm like okay i can see how like you know this would get a rise out of people or something or they yeah. won't allow this in schools anymore or something like that but then so yeah when i nine out of ten times if i read something fictional it's it's uh something that's very controversial like i just read uh lord of the flies for the first time like last year and i just bought like tropic of capricorn and okay so i'm, I'm like slowly working my way through those one of my all-time favorites is clockwork orange so right it's that's it. that's that's a lot of the the realm that i'm in i guess okay <laughs> that's interesting you've gone that way yeah 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 like one again I, I just can't shake the feeling that it's just a waste of time for me i need to i need to be factual learning it's awful right, right? <laughs> i need to switch off no i identify with a lot of that <laughs> yeah that's, that's, i'm not just the only one that's, that's good no. to hear <laughs> And my friend's like, you're weird because you study music. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Music is just, it's all fictional. You're just playing a guitar to a tune, right? But yeah. I said, but even in music, even in music, if we at, at college were studying, right, and it's improv- improvisation, oh, I hate mm. it. I don't want to improvise. Give me something that's set in stone and I'll learn <laughs> it and I'll play it. Even that was a problem. And I never really liked it. But there you go. It's just, just the way I am, I think. And improvisation <laughs> in general is tricky. <laughs> yeah. But I, like, yeah. but I like comedy, though, so I could watch some improv and comedy. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm more impressed by just their quickness and their, their thought process of reacting to something mm-hmm. that's been said, right? It's quite impressive. Oh, it's it's truly an art. It, it's it's great to, to watch. If you get you know people who are really good at it, it's it, it's amazing to see. <laughs> yeah. It's like raw, raw art form. There's, there's oh, yeah. predominantly filmed live, so there's no going back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like this, oh, where cool. I'll probably start editing stuff out that I've made like said uh, like a rubbish thing or errors or butts <laughs> and hands or oh yeah <laughs> amazing although I'd love to do a li- live podcast actually that's one of my one of my aims um, I know I, th- I think I want to work towards great. that eventually too but yeah that's let's have a little that's... audience in and a little live podcast that'd be great that'd be awesome <laughs> I know watch right? this space talk of podcast let's talk about yours oh yeah perfect juxtapose journeys podcast please tell mm-hmm. listeners 
the premise of your show, what you talk about. Yeah. So Juxtapose Journeys is an interview style podcast where I bring a guest on each episode and interview them about their passion projects, whether they're just a side hustle or a full-fledged operation. So these conversations can be with entrepreneurs, creators, or just people who know what, what they want out of life and are going after it. The the journeys in, in term of the journey in terms of the title in the podcast is more so metaphorical. Um, hmm. So the journey of this of this venture hobby, how they got started, the origin story, where they're at now, where they want to be, and sometimes physical travel comes up in our conversations. You know, as it can be a byproduct um, of what they're doing, or maybe even part of the equation. But you know, like the idea of juxtaposition, you know, my my journey doesn't look the same as your journey. Hmm. No two guests have the same path or True. the same responses when you ask the same questions. So there are a lot of similarities in our conversations and commonalities people have. Um, but they're a good handful of differences too. But I, I don't know. It's almost like when you step back and look at the big picture and just in, and compare the episodes and how much different they can be. That's where the, like the juxtaposition comes in. And that's what's so fascinating to me of mm-hmm. just, you know, hearing everyone's stories. And I, cause I think everyone ultimately has a story to share. It's just um, the conversations that I'm looking for out of people are outside of just a, a, an eight to five job and what you're primarily known for as your job title. It's, it's those yeah. conversations to where, you know, someone's really into, into movies or into video games or what have you. And you start talking to them about it and the big smile comes across their face mm-hmm. and they just talk your ear off. Those are the kind of conversations I want to have. Like, what is your life like outside of just this, of this job? Like, is this, you know, passion project that you have? Is it just like a side hobby? Is it just a hobby? Is it something you want to do full time? And I get a, you know, diverse range of answers, but yeah, no, I, I eat those conversations up and I, I love them so much. That's okay. ultimately the uh, the mindset of the show. And and yeah, I mean, it started as a blog to where I would document my own traveling stories. And it was it was kind of like a travel blog. I would give recommendations of places to go. I document my my 50 state marathon journey and I'd write mm-hmm. about each state that I do. And I'm still kind of slowly doing that. I'm a little bit behind on, on that. I think I have 12 states that I've written about, but I've done... 16 now. So I'm a little bit behind, but mm. I want to get caught up on those, eventually compile them into a book and release it as a book. So that's that's the end goal. Yeah, it all kind of started with that. And, and it is weird kind of how the whole journey happened too, because I didn't start podcasting until the pandemic. I think I was craving that interpersonal communication, yeah. these types of conversations. So then I was like, why don't I, you know, start a podcast? It could be all remote. And then I started hearing other people's journeys you know, what they're passionate about. Yeah. That's kind of how the whole idea started. And that's kind of the construction of the show in a nutshell. I I do resonate there. I think everyone's got a different story. I've just gone niche on travel, right? And even we discussed a few things today that I've never discussed. I'm quite excited to get those out because Mm. um, we haven't, I've never talked about ultra marathons yeah, with Matty Dias, but also with you marathon running with like in terms of competition, it's quite new, but also mental health there. Just a little bit of that, that, that's a completely new feel for me, but I'd never take that out. So that's staying in. So I do get why you'd want to expose those different types of subjects, really. And I listen to a few, and I love people's journeys, like in terms of this outside of the norm. Like you say, it's not it's not someone who's just done nine to five for their life, right? And, I mean, they probably got something to say, but imagine someone who quit that nine to five and wants to do something of their own. So I listened to your episode with, uh, sorry, I pronounced the name wrong, Shlomo Freund. Oh, yep, Shlomo. Very interesting about his. Um, journey to be like an independent sort of like location entrepreneur so he goes around the world and he can work anywhere in theory but he helps people try and live like him right you know he can go to yeah. different countries and work remotely and be free financially and yes yeah, interesting to hear what he had to say about that so that was quite cool 
and I obviously listened to your episode with Linda. Oh, um, yep, yep. The smart travelista who came onto my podcast because uh, she's great. <laughs> that was great. It's funny because I, I first started listening to your podcast when I was doing research on Linda and to prepare for my interview. And I was like, oh, this mm. is a cool format and structure and stuff like that. And then I, <laughs> that's when I reached out and be like, you know, hey, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's great. Linda's great. Like, please check out the episode. She's got um, a few books out and she's mm -hmm. an avid writer and blogger and traveler as well. And yeah, she's very much, she's very free. She's like, no, we're, like, as soon as the pandemic's over, I'm out, I'm off traveling and experiencing. And then there's a chance, believe it or not, there's a possibility that I might be able to meet her in Hawaii this year. There's, there's a, there's oh, a that'd be awesome. There's a flickering of a coincidental clash of plans where we're in the same place at the same time. So I'm hoping that can come true because that'd be great to meet her in person. <laughs> so, yeah, she, uh, she said, cause I, I, I put it out there. It was like, Hey, if I'm ever in Australia again, you know, we have to meet up. And she said, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the best bars and stuff. So I may, I may hold her to that and then yeah, yeah, make my way to right. Australia and be like, hey, uh, <laughs> what are these uh, great bars you were mentioning? So. <laughs> yeah, I reckon she can take a few of those. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. And what are sort of like the, I know you already mentioned it's every two weeks of podcast on a Monday. Is that right? Yep. Every other Monday. It's a bi Monday schedule. Yep. Yeah. So what are the aims of podcasts? Are you going to stick to that schedule? Are you looking to maybe go to weekly like any sort of thoughts short or medium term i i think i'll stick with bi-weekly it's been i mean great in terms of just trying to balance everything else with also being a co-host on film yes, for the, Boy, the other podcast yeah. so it can get definitely get stay be a little overwhelming and things mm. like that because but i have had some instances if i'm really trying to to squeeze in a guest or do something time sensitive then I'll do, I'll release, I'll sprinkle in little random bonus episodes in there. Uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll drop one of those in there. And, but yeah, I, I, I try to structure it and, and kind of give people rough estimate of when they can expect episodes to be released. And I actually, the response has been great. I mean, I've had a ton of people on Podmatch reaching out to me, all with very interesting stories. And I've been mm. coordinating all those. I actually took the month of March off from interviewing people because I was almost so backlogged with episodes. And I was like, I need to get yeah, these yeah, episodes released first before i take on any more and be like yeah sorry it's going to be another six months till this comes out yeah <laughs> like, that's a problem right there's a fine line yeah. between not being one in the bank it's too short mm -hmm. but you, you don't have too many because things change and yeah right. i can see where you go with that yeah i've, I've, yeah. I've experienced that so i ultimately went with that decision which has been great so i blocked off you know all of march it was just like i'm not taking on any interviews you know that mm. this month and i'm going to just kind of catch up with the episodes that i have yeah. and yeah that's been been great so far and yeah and i try to get a diverse range of guests i mean you know I, I, obviously like no two journeys and no two stories are the same but i try to get uh people to talk about subjects you don't really hear about every day like i have yeah, an episode same. on mm. on lolita fashion which is something you probably yeah. don't hear about every day you know, um, I just like, I have a few paranormal investigators on there. I, I geek out about that kind of stuff. So <laughs> just naturally, uh, wanted to le learn more about that, about scuba diving. Like I knew actually that episode's not out yet, but, uh, <laughs> but oh. I interviewed a scuba diver. <laughs> exclusive. So, yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> I know you heard it here first, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was a really great conversation and stuff too. But yeah, I, I try to get, a diverse range of people, always just interesting backstories from, you know, that I grew up in different places, have different upbringings and life experiences. Mm. And I have a few questions with each guest that are really similar. Yeah. I mean, ultimately just how they got started tips for beginners. I think ultimately that's what I'm trying to reach to is just the type of person who just 
you know, here's something in passing, just kind of, I guess, layman terms of, of just a, a very, a very something very foreign and unfamiliar to them. And they think, oh, I never really thought much about it, but that sounds really cool. I might have to, you know, look into doing that myself. And, you know, m- maybe they start a hobby they never really intended on, on yeah, doing. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely the same. I try and get like different types of travel or different countries or areas of the world I've not really heard much about. Uh, yeah. I think I'm in that uh, I'm in that space now where I can start to be a bit more selective, um, which has taken yeah. a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. well, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, can you tell the users where can they find your podcast? I guess it's on the, all the main podcast platforms, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, pretty much wherever you stream them. So Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible. Uh, I have a YouTube channel for Juxtapose Journey as well, but unfortunately none of the podcast episodes are there, but I do have traveling videos of me at different national parks around the country, traveling about the history and the impressive landscape. So it it more fits within the the blog spectrum, kind of giving a visual aspect to some of the blog posts I was writing about. Mm -hmm. I mean, it fits in that term, but yeah, I, I may eventually venture into recorded podcast episodes because I know that's a pretty normal thing people do. Mm. And I think I had a realization. I was at a concert and I was just randomly making conversation with somebody and it just happened to come up because I interviewed one of the the opening bands for an episode, oh, the home yeah. team. And I was like, yeah, you know, I just interviewed them on my podcast. Like, oh, you have a podcast? So I'm like telling them about it and stuff. And then they're like, they're like, oh, where can I get it? I was like, you can get it wherever you stream your podcast. But then she pulled up like youtube music i was like apparently uh, not there yeah <laughs> like, so don't look there i'm not on there yet <laughs> that's a good point hey, so, you see me on everything but i can't tell you that for sure but there's so many apps i don't even use so yeah yeah i, I see some like the apps on that come on the stats i'm like i don't, I don't even know what that is so, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it i put the rss feed wherever i thought would be like a safe yes, set for course. wherever you get your podcast but i yeah. think once in a while people still prove me wrong and i'm like huh, I have not heard of that uh, platform and it is not there. So Fair. I will add it. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media and or website? Uh, yeah, so um, the website's just juxtaposedjourneys.com and that's kind of a good central place for my blog posts, my YouTube mm. videos, the podcast. I got an RSS feed set up there so you can listen to the and stream the episodes there as well. Uh, me personally, I mean, you can connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. My name is just Eric Spitz. And then... Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter, Letterbox, and um, Untapped. If you're if you want to follow my beer selections, uh, <laughs> all uh, at Eric with the hair, all one word. Okay. And then um, I've been thinking about making these consistent so that uh, it's a little easier to plug stuff. Yeah, but, uh, that. Yeah. It's, it's, but, <laughs> um, Instagram is, is uh, Eric with the beard. Uh, Juxtapose journeys, like I said, wherever you stream your podcasts. Uh, I do have page. I do have. Facebook and Instagram for Juxtapose Journeys. At, it's just at Juxtapose Journeys, mm-hmm. all one word. Uh, I finally made a Twitter for Juxtapose Journeys as well, and it's J-U-X Journeys Pod on Twitter. And yeah. I'll put all these links in the show notes. Oh, and then uh, and then also I'll, I'll give a plug for Films for the Void. So Films oh, for yeah. the Void also available wherever you stream your podcast, and uh, we are on Twitter at Films underscore Void. Got it. We are now going to finish with the quickfire travel questions. I'll, I'll chuck in a few cheeky ones in there. That's, that's right. maybe not travel because I've got a few ideas up <laughs> my sleeve. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public. 
where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Sounds good. We'll start with an easy one, if you like. Okay. Uh, if there's, I know you're going to Scotland already, so I, I don't want you to say Scotland, but let's say after Scotland, you want to plan a trip for three more countries that, you, that you've not been to. Where would you go? Ooh, I think I would pick New Zealand, Egypt, and Greece. I think those are my, my three countries. Yeah. Um, multiple Diverse. reasons for, yeah, for all of those. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're going to switch up to your podcast. What are the top three countries that listen to your podcast? Do you know? Ooh, yeah. Uh, digging off Spotify analytics. Uh, and I believe this is in order. It's uh, United States, Canada, I believe is next. And then um, the United Kingdom. So yep, those are the top three countries I listen to my podcast. Nice. Big fan of that. Do you drink coffee? I do. I love coffee. Okay, that's great. This, this is going to help me out here. So I've got two, I've got two pronged question here. If you could pick one city in the world just to drink coffee and watch the world go by and maybe read a book, where'd you do that? I'm only saying this because I, I know this place and I'm familiar with it and I've experienced this, but I mean, Seattle has a great coffee scene in Seattle, okay. Washington, and never really disappointed with any of the coffee that I've had there. And it's very, the weather overall is very dreary and overcast yep. in the Pacific Northwest, which I find really calming. I know maybe people find it maybe like depressing or, or whatever, but I, I have a very calming feeling when it's when it's raining outside. And I love especially drinking coffee and just kind of chilling out and reading a book and that type of weather. So to me, that's kind of the perfect environment to enjoy a cup of coffee, do some reading and, Lovely. Um, you know, watch the rain come down. I can I can vouch <laughs> being based in Vancouver that that definitely does happen in the rain. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's nice. But after a while, it gets a bit annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can see that. It, I'm sure it lose its magic after a while. Yeah. <laughs> when it starts getting to like February, like, oh, come on. <laughs> but no dramas, no dramas. Okay. And then the second coffee question would be, what is your favorite coffee in terms of country? Do you have a, like a favorite coffee that you go to? Ooh, actually my, oh man, that's a good question because I haven't had a ton of experience with actual, like, I guess, uh, other countries coffee, um, mm. per se. I mean, well, I, I, I take that back. I mean, I know a lot of it's like imported from different countries and stuff like that. One that's really standing out to me is like traditional like turkish coffee like if it, yeah like the, it's answer. very strong and concentrated yeah hey, i mean you, you do Love not it. need much of that and you are good to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that but, is yeah there's a popular answer turkish coffee and i've never really had it unbelievably so i need to sort that out um, it's on my <laughs> list it's very good Okay, you love national parks i believe so mm -hmm. you're going to recommend for us the listeners here three national parks in the u.s that, that people must go to what are those three? Oh man that is a good question so i've always been really drawn to the badlands in south dakota i don't know what it is it just has a very it has a very unique energy there and mm -hmm. I, i've been there several times really enjoying my experience there and i kind of just get get lost in the landscape and really mesmerized by it so that's one that really stands out to me Ooh, it's hard to pick one in in uh utah i have really positive experiences in zion but also you know I'm, I'm gonna go with arches because i've done that both in the the winter and in the summer months 
and both mm-hmm. were very different experiences, both very enjoyable. I did yeah. delicate arch in the winter time and it was, it was really cool too, because the road like just opened. So I was like, I pretty much got to see delicate arch with no one else around it, which was a completely different experience. And that was really special. So, so those two, and then third national park, I will give a shout out to petrified forest in Arizona, because I feel like that one isn't talked about nearly enough. Yeah. That's in, in Holbrook and the, in the Northern part. And that's, that's just such a cool experience too. I actually ran a marathon fully through that park and that's what originally got me out there. Mm. But yeah, very, very prehistoric area for sure with a, a, I mean, very old ancient land. I mean, it's essentially used to be a forest and then, and then volcanic eruptions have basically knocked all the trees down and buried them underneath the sediment. They went through this petrification oh. process. So they're, they're rainbow colored. It's, wow. it's really unique and interesting over that's thousands insane. of years. They went, it's, it's trippy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll check that out. I don't know much about that. So that's, that's a good recommendation. Okay. Yeah. Nice thank one. You. Uh, do you have a favorite beach that you go to or have been to? Oh man. Because I feel like if I don't say anything in, in Michigan, that's just like a travesty because we're surrounded by water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, experiences in Michigan. I mean, I mean, obviously we're surrounded by water. I want to say it was right on the, the shore of, of Lake Michigan, but that's always just a very memorable experience in general. Mm. Like even though I'm, surrounded by water and we we, (laughs) there's water i mean literally everywhere in michigan but it's still a very special experience kind of kind of being by there and then actually also by lake superior just because it's so overwhelmingly big the great lakes in general are just uh, great no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) and then great yeah okay but yeah uh, those those are ones that just really stand out to me i was really I guess awestruck by and, and just they never seem to get old even being a michigander that's good is there a marathon in a country that you want to run that you've not done? That is a, that's a really good question. So oh, I'm torn between kind of two because I know the, the London marathon is very highly regarded and mm. listed as, as a very good one to do. And also the Berlin marathon. I hear great things about both of those. Yeah. And oh, I'm sure I'd have enjoyed both of those equally. I think, uh, I think for the longest time, uh, Berlin was always one I was really gravitating towards and one that was pretty much always unanimously rated as like, one of the best if not the best marathons in the world to do it's it's very highly regarded be very cool to experience one day okay that's great and can you pick out maybe a favorite hike that you've done yeah i think i gotta go with uh that angel's landing hike in zion i mean it was just i think maybe it was just because it was such a new and i guess aggressive experience for me because i was very new into hiking and i kind of (laughs) <laughs> did something pretty ambitious for like yeah. something to kind of get acclimated with it. But that was just very memorable because it, it just, <laughs> I just, you know, conquered my fears and like, I, I don't like hate heights, but I don't necessarily like, I don't completely shut down with high mm. heights, but I don't exactly like crave that adrenaline rush either. So I was kind of like in the middle and, and there were different moments I was climbing up. It was like, am I really doing this same <laughs> yeah. thing? And like, like grabbing out of the chains. I was like, if I, wow. you know, if I, mess this up or do something like it that's gonna be it and <laughs> so like uh and i'm probably i'm sure i'm probably making that sound much more dramatic than it actually was i'm probably sure i had more room than what i did but as a new inexperienced hiker it felt like you know it was just pretty dangerous and mm. but i mean those views at the top made it all worth it it just was so breathtaking and it's just such a special experience that's cool and you can have one nature one man-made but what's a favorite landmark that you've seen one that kind of stands out to me 
is just experiencing uh, Crater Lake in, in Oregon. Ah, uh, yeah. Someone else said that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very cool. And and I guess just being a Michigander and always being surrounded by water. I mean, that one still just like took my breath away when I went mm. and saw it. I mean, it is it's such a it's such a thing to experience. And I believe it is the if I'm not mistaken, it's the deepest lake. Because yes, I, I think, think I, I think there's a misconception to where people think that uh, Superior is the deepest. I mean, it's the biggest in terms of, I guess, volume and volume. size. Yeah, I think Crater is deeper. But Crater Lake is deeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man-made, you said? Yeah, if one. you want to chuck one in. Well, I guess this would, would uh, technically count because, I mean, it was it was carved into rock and stuff. But it was really cool to experience like Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I actually really want to go. Yeah, definitely want to yeah. go. I'm, I'm no shame in saying that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another one that I, I want to give a shout out to that isn't talked about as much as crazy horse which is also right in that surrounding area okay and it's actually it's been in the works for a while it's all privately funded so it's, mm. it's been an ongoing project for years and years but it's slowly but surely taking place and this is going to be actually a lot bigger than mount rushmore so it's it's going to oh, be wow. amazing once it's done it's just it's been a work in progress for a little while but okay. that's still cool to experience to kind of see the the progression of it okay a few more questions and then we'll wrap up yeah if you could pick a favorite cuisine or food from another country, what would that be? Ooh, that's a good one. Cuisine or food from another country. Um, because uh, a one that's just kind of standing out, and I don't know if I want to be as bold as to call it like my favorite, but it's just one that, that stands out to me just yeah. in terms of uniqueness and just for the novelty of it. But I just remember one of the first things I wanted to do when I went to Australia was actually try Vegemite. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, and like, wow. I, I just, I, it was an experience I just wanted to have. So yeah, it was yeah. just, uh, We've all been there. I was like, yeah, We've all it, been there. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah, it, it was, it was very different. <laughs> so, I mean, that one just is memorable. I don't want to say it's my favorite. I'm trying to brainstorm some other ones from, from different countries who I, I feel like once I get traveling more, I'm going to have some mm. from different ones, but I, I haven't had it yet, but I've been dying to do like a traditional like fish and chips. <laughs> oh, in England. Oh, get out in Scotland. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's, one that's that's high on my list and i don't know i i don't know if i'm going to be this bold when i go there i i think the curiosity is going to take over and i really want to try this but i think while i'm in scotland i'm going to have to try haggis i know i'm vegetarian and stuff and that's like that's like you know a no-no and stuff but it's uh i i make exception for cultural reasons and you know while I mean, i'm there type things and i don't blame you there's a few things you got to try in scotland haggis is one of them a fry a fried mars bar is one of them deep fried <laughs> oh, mars yeah. bar um they've got some weird stuff over there but it's worth checking out you gotta do it once i think yeah oh i'm trying to remember uh one's just coming to my mind um i haven't had it like traditionally over there but i know my pastor at that church has been raving about it and wants us to to try it once we're over there in scotland um i believe it's called it's like sticky pudding or something or not sticky toffee pudding yeah it is yeah sticky uh, toffee yeah yeah yeah, he was, yeah like, it's raving and obsessing over it and yeah. he, he attempted at some and made some i guess that's the closest i've had to it and it was yeah, very good. Classic. I would love to have the authentic stuff, but yeah. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> should try that. It's got a lot of sugar. <laughs> oh, I can <laughs> tell. Yeah. Okay. A <laughs> couple more questions. If you could live in another country that's not your own, where would you live? Well, I hear really good things about, I hear really good things on, and if you're going to, I guess, work for somebody and, and have a traditional corporate job, like like basically to go to Europe type thing, like as opposed to the US, like it's it's much better working conditions type thing. It's tough though, because you, you, I guess you've not yeah. been to some of these countries, like, but if you can imagine. I know, like if it's anything that I imagined it would be, like I, I feel very drawn to like a New Zealand. Mm. 
Australia, I did really enjoy my experience there. I guess I might just go with the safe bet and just say there just because I've experienced it before and had a very mm. positive experience. And that's something I can actually speak to. But uh, I just got to get used to all the deadly animals there and uh, be more mindful and aware of those. But um, but no, I had a great time and it was a really cool place to explore and experience. So in terms okay. of a place I've gone and positive experience I've had, I, I should probably pick that. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. And one last question is, if you had to give a few senses as why you think yourself and other people should travel, what, what, what would you say why they should? I don't know exactly who said it or the, the source material for this, but I've heard this kind of saying floating around for a little while along the lines of, you know, I've always regretted things that I purchased, but I've never regretted a trip that I took. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's seriously like a, like a saying and a mantra that I live by. And it's something I think about constantly because it's so true. I mean, yeah. when I look back at all my traveling experiences, even when I was just strapped for cash, like my credit cards are maxed and everything, like I don't regret doing any of those. Mm. I had such a positive, such a blast. Even when things don't go according to plan, yeah. things kind of blow up in my face. Like it's always just a fun memory to look back on and reminisce on later. And it's a, a life lesson that you learn. Maybe you prepare differently next time or, you know, approach the situation differently or puts things in perspective on, well, at least, at least it wasn't, you know, as bad as the time I went here. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it gives you a, a deeper appreciation for things. So I think that's, that's ultimately what I tell people. And I think people get tripped up all the time when it comes to traveling and they, and they just kind of shut their mind off and they say, you know, I, or oh, I don't have enough money to travel mm. or I don't have the time to travel. Where would I get the time to do it? You can do some very quick, you know, inexpensive trips and they don't mm -hmm. even have to be anything extravagant. Mm. You could do like a quick weekend trip to an unfamiliar city. I mean, and I mean, I guess it depends on where you are, but for the most part, you can, if you don't make it out of state somewhere for you in the United States, you can at least go to a city that's unfamiliar and foreign to you, you know, go to the local yeah, diner, have exactly. a cup of coffee, you know, take a book and just kind of soak it in. And even that can just be very, just a very fulfilling and euphoric experience and just very refreshing just to be in a new environment. I think to, to break the monotony more than anything is has a lot more power in it than people realize yeah absolutely right i think even that granular just going to like another street you start there work your way up to different place different county different state exactly. different country different country speaks different language yeah you can mm -hmm. really get low level to high level of, of, of maybe extreme so yeah you're absolutely right i think it's the uh, best way to to go about it and i think you really do learn something whether you like it or not and, oh, so uh, true. I, I mean, I think traveling is such a broad term. And, and when people think of travelers, they think of these people who just have these very gritty experiences and <laughs> countries all across the world. And yeah. you know, it's, it doesn't always have to be like that. It could literally just be, you know, like I said, just like a, like a short weekend trip mm. to somewhere new. And I, I think ultimately what makes you a traveler is when you like soak in and, and experience a culture and a lifestyle that's unfamiliar to yourself yeah. and to kind of like I said, just kind of break up that monotony, experience something new. And there's, I mean, it's, it's so powerful, but I feel like it's one of those things I, I could, I could say that till my face is blue of all these places you need to go, a place you need to check out and go see. But I feel like until you actually go and do it for yourself, you're not going to feel that same mm -hmm. euphoria that I feel. And you're not going to yeah. really believe me until you actually experience it yourself and kind of get bit by the travel bug. Yeah. I'm fully bitten. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I'm infested. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not going away. So I'm, I'm stuck. And there's no known cure. That's another quote from someone. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But Eric, thanks for coming on. It's been a really pleasant, awesome chat. And I really appreciate you making time to come on this podcast. 
and talk about your journey. It's been great. Oh, of course. Yeah, this was such a blast. Thank you so much for having me on once again. This is, yeah, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah, thanks so much. And I can't, as always, I can't wait to release this podcast episode and get this out there. So Eric, thanks so much. Take care and all the best. Yeah, take care. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.